Welcome, welcome, welcome. It has been a big week in gaming. I'm Intergot and he's Swinney for episode 11 for Sunday the 27th of September. In this week's show, we'll be discussing Microsoft spending big to buy Zenimax Bethesda. Amazon announcing a Stadia killer, or does it need one? And Swinney's first impressions of the somewhat, unfortunately, divisive Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Swinney, how's your week? My week has been great. I feel like I've accomplished a lot this week. Gaming-wise or <laughs> work-wise yes. or what? Oh, uh, well, uh, well, you know, here and there. but On, on all fronts. De- definitely, definitely, definitely not like personal life-wise because we're still in lockdown. Well, and, and yeah, lockdown like... for life! <laughs> and it is crazy when you think like you guys are in lockdown in Melbourne and, you know, you go to the States, like Florida, they have so many deaths, so many cases... And they're opening up. <laughs> like it's it's bizarre how the systems can be so oh, different, eh? Man, it's crazy. Like when uh, when I, I saw the numbers today, I'm like, sixteen new cases. I'm like, no, go the other way. We were fourteen the day before. I <laughs> know, oh, I saw that as well. Yeah, and I was no. kind of <laughs> listening to the tone of your premiere and it was sort of sounded like you know, he was he was opening the door for acceleration in terms of opening up. Cause he he mentioned one thing where it's like the numbers are a lot lower than they expected. So I was like, mm, you know, he's feeling a lot of pressure. Maybe they'll open up a little bit. And then, yeah, 16 cases today. He's like, oh, okay, maybe not. I don't know. But uh, I so. I, the the reason I feel accomplished is because I, I completed Amalur. Kingdoms oh, really? Amalur. You completed yeah. it? It's a pretty it's long a, game, isn't it? Like 40, 50, 60 hours or something. And I've got to stress it's it's a plural. Kingdoms, not kingdom, like I was saying <laughs> all the last few weeks. <laughs> Um, yeah, so well, I've, it up, I've uh, gone back and edited every single podcast and <laughs> added, I just recorded an S so people, people go back and download these episodes. So kingdom S of Amalur. Yes. Yeah. I literally just say S. <laughs> <laughs> um, ended up taking me about, I think 80 hours altogether, which, um, honestly, hmm. I, well, that's a hundred percent achievements, like a thousand points. Yeah. But the achievements in the game are actually pretty straightforward. Um, oh, okay. but the thing I was worried about was, um, you know, there's since they added trophies to PlayStation games, um, a lot of the companies now, which makes sense, they essentially duplicate the list between um, Xbox and PlayStation. Mm. And because PlayStation has the platinum, which is generally, you know, like get all other achievements, that means that now a lot of achievement lists also have a version of the platinum, which is just an achievement that says get all the other achievements. And unfortunately, so many of those are buggy in a lot of games where they just get all the other achievements doesn't work. And mm. so I'm like, I'd heard some stories of it not popping for some people for Amalur. So I'm like, oh, please, please. I don't <laughs> I don't feel like I want to go through the whole game again just for it. And thankfully, it, it, there was no glitch. But um, the one and, thing and I'll just, say... Just, just on that, like it's not... It's kind of a funny one, achievements. It's kind of like something that, you know, it, it's mandatory in you know, uh, Xbox ecosystem, PlayStation ecosystem. But at the same time, the level of care from the publishers is very different depending on which publisher, right? Like some of them kind of mm. a bit like, we don't even care if we get this wrong. THQ Nor- Nordic, who are the publisher of Kingdoms of Amalur, have a bad track record as well. Yeah. Especially with the Darksiders games um, that they republish, the ones that that you know they they didn't create like Darksiders one and two that they republished on the on the current gen, but um yeah I I will say that they a lot of the issues I had with that game in terms of bugs and crashes um I think some of the patches that had done that they'd done earlier uh, this week fixed a lot of that stuff so mm. I think it's 
we're at the point where it's probably okay to pick up that game if you're interested. So Okay. And and that's a really funny thing for us. And like, you know, it's funny, you know, with a podcast as well, because I do find playing a game day one is almost the worst way to play it if you really want to enjoy the experience. <clears throat> like even thinking about like Breath of the Wild, the amount of changes they made out of that game to make it run a lot smoother. So like if you're playing it on day one compared to, you know, even a month or two in, it, it can be a really different experience depending on who you are. I I would say that um, FromSoft have a really good um, track record. Um, I've bought three of their games on release day. So Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I didn't hear any issues about um, Bloodborne, but they've generally all been good on release with the exception of a couple of things they fix. And honestly, the things they usually fix are more exploits oh, so yeah. that people can't do things as opposed to, like, game crashing things. But um, I have also been... Uh, yesterday, I had my first long session of Among Us. Oh yeah, so this is yes. this is really taking the internet by storm. Like I was looking at um the sales charts for this game was barely like any sales, and then since about March April this year, it's just powered through to like now like I think something in the order of eighty con- eighty million concurrent or like de- daily users or some insane number. It's crazy, and the thing is, you know they've they've cancelled Among Us too because yeah, essentially yeah. it makes <laughs> and it makes sense. It's like well, let's just. Let's just add all this into Among Us One, um, because then we're not going to split the player base, and there's all this other yep. stuff there. But that game, um, Intergot, you—I'd be scared if you you play that game because so, you are so- like. For, I will just say no. Let me let me finish for for the listeners. You know, um, Intergot is this you know really informative, business minded host. <laughs> you know, but the in the the secret life of Intergot is it is manipulative and evil in board games. <laughs> and this is essentially a board game, but in video game form. It's a deception game, and you're damn good at that kind of game, uh, or at least I know you'd be damn good at that kind of game. So that's that's what I wanted to ask because I know that you played it because I was looking at Discord and I saw that you were playing it with uh, another mate. And I don't actually know anything about it. I know that it's insanely popular and it's sort of kind of knocked off Fall Guys spot as the, you know, the hot game for people to play at the moment, especially in the streamer universe. And not not saying that Fall Guys isn't still played. It's still played by a heck of a lot of people, but, you know, it's kind of got that mantle now. So I don't know anything about it. Like, like how does it control? Like, what, you know, what is it? Like, I, I'm so, still going to be confused. So it's a very simple game where... You've basically got a group of people. Generally, you want at least six people, um, but it can go all the way up to ten people. And also, like mates. Yeah, generally, oh, generally okay. you want to play. Generally, you want to play with people that you know. Yeah, um, interesting. I think you kind of have to if you want to do voice stuff because you generally do that through Discord and things like that. But there's obviously ways. There's ways that I don't know where people can like join Discord groups and things. Like, I'm sure, but basically, the idea is that within that group of people, there's one imposter. And the more people, then you can also say there's two imposters. And the the job of that person, that imposter, is to kill all the other people with and without them knowing who it is. And ah. then what happens is everyone generally goes on mute during the game, right? So there's yeah. no talking at all during the actual gameplay. And then when someone finds a dead body, then everyone comes together and reports <laughs> it. And then they all have a discussion about it. Oh, where were you at this time? Oh, I was following <laughs> that person. And then what happens is you vote someone out. 
And uh. if you, the person has to have the majority of votes, you can skip the vote as well. Um, if it's a draw, then no one gets ejected or whatever. And it's just, it's so much fun. It's it's crazy how simple it is. And the thing is, I've, it's very similar to, um, to a lot of like Secret Hitler and Werewolf and Deception yeah. games, board games, and also kind of very similar to a Jackbox game, um, which was similar, hit the button, where you've got to find out the alien in a group of astronauts. So it's very similar in that. But the gameplay, this mixes like some cool gameplay where you're running around and each each of the crewmates has to do tasks when they're doing it. So it's not like, oh, you can just all huddle in one area. You've got you've all got individual tasks to then add to the group collective. And if you finish all the tasks before the imposter does what they need to do, then you also win. So mm. there's the imposter can sabotage things that can cause like lights to go off, reactor meltdowns. It's it's really cool, but it it's really interesting because it's free on mobile, right? And apparently it actually works pretty well. Uh, or it's like seven dollars Australian on Steam. So yeah. um, the benefit of doing it on PC is you can use a combination of keyboard and mouse, like you know, like WASD or whatever WASD for movement, and then the mouse. You always need a mouse or pointer of some sort. Yeah, mobile. I'll definitely play it on PC. I'd definitely play it on PC. Yeah. So, but the the best experience is to um, you know to use it alongside Discord, and you have the overlay of Discord so that you can see who's talking. Um, oh, yeah. Especially if you in a group like I was playing a group where I didn't know majority of the people, so I didn't I wouldn't have been able to recognize by their voice. So with the Discord overlay, you can see it pop up, see who's talking. So. Ah, yeah, nice. Yeah, it seems yeah, really cool. Seems like a, a definitely a game I'd like to play. Well, I watched so many like streamers playing it or like vods on YouTube, and I'm like, oh man, this is cool. But I don't think I'll have a have a big enough group of friends that'd be interested in playing it one time. <laughs> And well, that's, so, fortunate. So that's that's the meme, right? Because that's I don't know much about this game. I just know I kind of know the characters, and you know it's taken the world by storm, led by streamers and things like that. And then the other part of it was that um, that it, it sort of went on mobile for free, and and it sort of really ignited the game and really made it take off. Kind of makes me wonder, you know, games going forward, you know, even games like. Street Fighter Five or sorry, Street Fighter Six. Like, is that going to be free to play? Like from the start, just because you almost need to get the audience in first and then monetize them. It's just so many games out there. It's hard to get people across. And I mean, like you see it with Rocket League as well. I mean, not like pales in comparison to how popular uh, Among Us is, but that hit uh, a million concurrent players um, when it went free to play uh, a few um, days ago. So compared honestly- to like a hundred thousand, like it normally has. Honestly, this was the perfect storm because it, it this was it, if you ever need to, a use case of how a streamer it could be one streamer adopting it and then inviting other streamers in, so that they're all then streaming the same games and then it, it's yeah. basically like a domino effect at that point. Like I was watching videos where you've got like someone like PewDiePie playing playing against you know all these other main big name YouTubers and it's like. Man, that's pretty cool. You know, it's it's like it's just really cool to see. It's almost like a like I was watching a game where T Pain was in there. <laughs> yeah, he's really big on uh, Twitch at the moment. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen a few clips from him. He's quite funny, actually. And the guy's like, "I killed T Pain." Oh no, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, for me this week, mostly I'm still just playing Hyrule Warriors. Um, and, and you know, we'll touch on that from a Tokyo Game Show later. 
And the other one is like, I, you know, just because it's so hard to jump in a game and then jump out of it so quickly with, uh, you know, the kids and everything and the newborn, but I actually ended up watching The Boys on Amazon oh, Prime. Yeah. I don't know if you've watched it or heard of it. Uh, no, I'd like to. I do actually have Amazon Prime now, so I should check it out. Oh, if you've got it, you should definitely check it out. Like, basically, if you don't like the first episode, you won't like the show. It's one of those type of shows that, make, you know, reveals its hand pretty quickly, but you do get returns for keep watching it. Like, it's it's a really dark, cool show. Like, I really enjoy it. And it's actually been interesting because I haven't really watched TV almost almost at all for, you know, I don't know, last, like, six to 12 months. Really turned off it recently. What have um, I been, compared- I've been watching? I've been watching Dark on Netflix. I don't know what that is. What is that? Oh man, Dark is cool. Dark is cool. It's uh, it's a German <laughs> show, and it it actually had like a bit of a blow up. Um, just check it out. I don't want to say anything about it except oh, okay. the fact that it's kind of like it it's it goes places. It's I think I think you'd really like it. So check out Dark. Is it like a top tier show? Because that, that's kind of my challenge with TV now. Like I only feel like I have time for. The, the biggest shows now, like, that are really, like, triple-A, let's say, in the gaming parlance? Well, I mean, like, I think it's great. <laughs> and okay. I had a lot of people, a lot of other people also think it's great. So. All right, well, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it. Because it, it actually works well when I'm, like, feeding and doing all this other kind of stuff. Like, feeding the baby, I should say. Feeding, it sounds like I'm, I'm a pig. Um, you know, because it's just easy to put on in the side and stuff like that and listen to my headphones. I'll, um, I'll, just, I'll just say one way to possibly explain it. It's like a much more mature, serious take on Stranger Things in a way, like where oh, lots okay. of weird stuff's happening. Mm. But okay. it's not like, it's very different in tone. So I don't think it's like the same tone, but it's like, it gives you that same kind of feeling, at least at the start. So. Okay, cool. All right, well, why don't we get into our first headliner? Huge news this week uh, that broke that Microsoft actually acquired... Uh, Bethesda and the parent company Zenimax Media for 7.5 billion, that's a billion, uh, US dollars. Uh, and, you know, as as Bethesda and Zenimax sort of expanded the publishing, um, you know, you've got Bethesda Game Studios, id Software, Arcane, Tango Gameworks, and there's even more. Um, and then I think interestingly for everyone, that back catalogue and just the, a number of, you know, really A-tier or S-tier uh, IPs that they have under that belt, you know, Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Wolfenstein, Doom, Dishonored, Quake, and then Starfield's coming up, um, which I believe has actually had some leaks this week and just over the last few days, which I haven't really checked out too much to check, but it, that seems to be shaping up really well as well. Um, and, you know, they've made really like strong confirmations that all future games will be published on Game Pass day and date. And they've also said that it will be available on Xbox, so Xbox Series X and S, and PC, which is kind of really interesting for me in my case, because I don't have an Xbox, but I have a gaming PC. Um, And then probably the one thing I wanted to chat to you about is just, you know, that the multi-platform releases, you know, I've watched pretty much all the interviews that Phil Spencer's done and, you know, the Xbox podcast, and whenever that topic has come up, He's really tried to push it away into, you know, hey, if you have Game Pass, you'll get the games day and date for free or like as part of your subscription. And then when he's probed, he always says, well, case by case basis, we'll we'll look at that. So like, you know, immediate thoughts for you, because you're a huge, 
you know what I, I, I'll say this, even though you're so into Xbox, I wouldn't actually say you're an Xbox fanboy because, you know, you're more than happy to get a PlayStation, but you know, that, that's sort of where you do your gaming. So this must be really good news for you. Yeah, well, Xbox mainly with um, Switch on the side is probably, you know, my current, I guess, gaming setup. Yeah. setup. Um, yeah. I do play on PC every now and then, but it's mainly like stuff that I'll play through Xbox Game Pass. So it's kind of still within the Xbox ecosystem. Um, look, this was not only obviously was this huge news and uh, you texted me about it. And I'm like, oh, man, like uh, I think it was... Um, <laughs> Who was it? Uh, Jason Schreier from Bloomberg. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of tweeted out just before. He just, um, yeah, broke it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And then it's like, then Xbox put their thing up on their blog. And it's like, oh my God, this is happening. This is insane. Like this, I can't think of, like, I can't think of news that's this big, honestly. in. I can't remember the last story. I'd say it's on the same level. It's oh, kind of then, then this story, you mean in well, the last mate, few years or whatever? Well, just, yeah, just in terms of, like, this is huge. Like, yeah, you know, and, but it was so, it was so interesting to watch it play out um, where on Reddit and on the comment sections of the articles that I was reading where, oh, my God, people were going at it. And it was, <laughs> it was just a free-for-all. You had uh, Twitter <laughs> trending with Konami, Sony by Konami in response, and like that's the way it works. No, what 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 it was was we need to buy Konami, as in like they're Sony, you know. Um, but well, wait, can I just say, every- like, so you know, maybe I'm a bit naive with these things because you know, even our podcast has felt the wrath of some fanboys. I would argue, um, you know, arguing that you know we're totally wrong on stuff, or you know, you idiot, you you know, the Xbox Series X is clearly in every way better than the PlayStation Five. You'd have to be a moron not to understand that, and all this kind of stuff. Like, I, you know, I know the whole meme about fanboys and blah blah blah, but I, I kind of never really believed it until this announcement and just exactly what you're saying. People's reaction, it's like they're rooting for a sports team. It's like, hey, they're going for Collingwood Magpies and. They've got a, you know, another team's got a star recruit. Oh, this is BS. We've got to get our star recruit. It's like, I don't know. I just think it's so odd. Like, and, and maybe just because I, I'm pretty um, ambivalent around the console stuff. You know, I don't yeah. care where I game in a way. And you saw a lot of people, like, it was coming from both sides. You know, uh, it was crazy. Like, you had the, the Xbox fanboys being like, Oh, suck shit, Sony. We're, we're winning this war now, you know. We've <laughs> yes. shot, shots fired, you know. Uh, and then the Sony people like, there'll still be multi-platform releases. They're all going to be multi-platform releases. And it was amazing how many people were stating 100% because of something Todd Howard said, which was just completely taken out of context that, oh, they're still going to be releasing them on all consoles. Like, he did not say that. I can't remember the exact quote, but... It was like they were just hoping, but on both sides, yeah. it was kind. Of, it was just, oh my god! If and, you ever and even need, oh, even shit. on that, like one thing I just wanted to say on that. So there was a really cool um, uh, podcast, like Xbox podcast, where you actually had um, Pete Hines, uh, Todd Howard, and Phil Spencer, and um, you had the guy. What's his name? Is it Major Nelson? I always forget his name. Yeah, Xbox Major dude. Nelson. Yeah, Major yeah. Nelson. And so it's uh, like really, really worthwhile to watch that. It's like only like 30 minutes, but there was a few things that jumped out at me in that and already the dynamics, you know, Pete Hines, very powerful guy, obviously in that whole Zenimax world, 
he's kind of almost going to Phil Spencer. It's like, you know, hey, when is our back catalogue going to come up on Game Pass? You know, he's, he's like, he does not know. You could see it like a real human reaction from him. He's kind of a bit like, what's going to go on? Like we, because, you know, for them, it's probably no difference from a money perspective. So they just want everything to be on Game Pass, right? And more people playing their games. Like that's great for them as a, a studio, even in the Xbox world. But you could really see the dynamic. It's like when people are saying, oh, Todd Howard said this, that. It's like, mate, he's not the boss anymore. <laughs> like he's just a voice and they want to keep him happy and keep him in that studio. But, you know, if they want to restrict it to Xbox Series X or not, that's going to be totally onto, you know, Phil Spencer and his leadership team to decide those kind of things. So, yeah, um, it's, everyone- it's, it's fascinating, everyone's reaction. And this is huge news. I just quickly did a scan through. This is by far the biggest news since we've started the podcast. And I think it has the potential to really shift that landscape in, in sort of the gaming sphere. Like, whether it does or not, it might not. And, and I think we'll get to that shortly. Yeah, and everyone pointing out that... Oh, pointing at Minecraft... You know, pointing at uh, Cuphead, pointing at Ori. Oh, Xbox does do multi-platform stuff. Yeah, but very specific bases, you know. And with Minecraft, it's very different because a lot of that stuff was also already multi-platform. So it made sense to keep it multi-platform when they bought Mojang or Mojang, however you say it. And the thing is that to assume that the next Elder Scrolls is going to be on PlayStation, you have, like, don't assume that's going to be the case. Yeah. Because Microsoft Microsoft has these huge IPs now that if they want to drive those Game Pass sales, which we've already seen a huge bump and I think you've got some notes about it as well, is that what what better way to drive Game Pass sales than to have the next Elder Scrolls exclusive on Xbox and, you know, PC as well, um, but on Game Pass. Like Yeah, and you know, huge. a lot of people's arguments are just so uh, ill-informed, like I'll say it like nicely, like, you know, the example that you had, and I don't know, this is not you saying that, but, you know, people talking about Cuphead, I'm like, Cuphead, what are you talking about? Cuphead's not owned by Xbox. They're an independent studio. They had a publishing relationship with the Xbox yep. and they gave a lot of funding for Cuphead. But, you know, normally with the exclusivities these days, if you have any business sense at all, you never sign a, a in perpetuity exclusivity with a with a console or, you know, a publisher. Like, that's nuts. You just don't do that anymore. So, you know, the biggest ones you normally have are, like, 18 months, two years, three years at most. So that's all they did, you know? Like, they had exclusivity around Xbox. They had it on there, and then, you know, they've moved it to other platforms. Like, Ori's different, and I think you're right. I think, you know, especially with Minecraft. Minecraft's such a good example. Minecraft was already on everything, and there's just, like, the Mm. expectation that it is on everything. You know, so I, I wouldn't even expect, like, I, I, I don't know this for a fact, I should check it, but I feel like Minecraft, they'll, they'll just launch with Minecraft with the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, because there's no, it's not like people are going to shift away, I think, from PlayStation to Xbox because of Minecraft, because that's not and even Mi- the audience and demographic. And Minecraft's almost a service at this point, um, yeah, as correct. opposed to like a traditional video game. Yeah. Um, you and- know, the fact that they use it in educational Function, functions as well, you know, just goes to point, prove that. Yeah, point. and and you know, they even had their recent update around PSVR for Minecraft, you know, and that's specific to PlayStation. So, you know, it, they're taking a very, to me, a very smart, very logical and thoughtful approach to how they're going to do it. And, and the question that, like, because I've got a view on it, but the question for me is, you know, the real critical ones are going to be 
Starfield, which seems to be not as far away as everyone thought it was. And, you know, I think Elder Scrolls 6 is going to be much further away. But, you know, those type of games, you know, the Starfields, whatever the next Doom is, you know, maybe the next Fallout, Fallout 5, let's just say, or New Vegas 2, fingers crossed for a lot of people. Where do you think they will go? Like, like how are they going to launch? How do you see it playing out? I see all of these games being exclusive. And when you say exclusive, you mean like in perpetuity? Yes. Ah, interesting. And why do you say that? Just because I just think at this point they have, all right, let me preface this. So they have said that they are, that Bethesda will operate rather independently from Xbox as opposed to being like Xbox game studios, um, yeah. you know, underneath that banner. Yeah. So that is, that is definitely a, like a plus in, in the, you know, I guess, <laughs> and the scoreboard for people that want it multi-platform. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it just has, like, you've spent this amount of money. You have the perfect opportunity to, like, drive so all these people that want to play these games to Game Pass, whether or not it's on PC or Xbox, because, you know, all these games will be on PC as well, um, which, you know, I think if anyone's worried about, you know, oh, I can't, I don't want to buy an Xbox for it. Well, if you've got a PC, then that's that's your best option. But I think they will be, but... I'm, you know, my, you saw my initial reaction when I saw that news. I'm honestly not a fan of it though. Um, you know, yeah. this is not me being like, oh, I play on Xbox. I'm so happy that only <laughs> I can play these games or yeah. people like me can play these games. No, it sucks. It sucks for people that that love Fallout and, and, you know, Elder Scrolls and anything that's made by id or, you know, it sucks for PlayStation owners if that happens. Um, so I, I think it will, but I hope it doesn't. Um, I do hope that they maybe, maybe your Elder Scrolls and your Fallout are so big that they just say, "Look, where we have the potential to actually make a way low, sorry, a load more money, basically, you know, heaps more money by actually doing this and and striking a deal with with Sony on this." So, mm. it to me, like, I think it will go that way, but I hope it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I think you know, in the in the short term, I think we're both 100% on the same page. Like why would you want something that can only be played on one platform? You know, like it only really benefits the platform holders. Like the con- like people who buy the consoles, they're not benefiting from exclusivity really because, you know, especially if you have healthy exclusivity on both sides, you're missing out on games. And that sort of like happened with the Xbox 360 slash uh, PlayStation 3 era, where there was pretty decent exclusives on either side of the fence. So it's really like, are you going to buy both to experience everything? Um, so, I mean, it's not like great for the gamer, but I don't know. I take a probably longer term view and I just think, you know, if you have a healthy competition amongst companies where there isn't really like natural monopolies, it actually brings them best out of people. Like it makes you want to, it makes you hungrier. It makes you want to make better things, better art you know, better games, these type of things. So I actually think for the health of the industry, to me, a healthy Xbox is actually great for the industry overall because it does make people more competitive. And, you know, I've thought a lot about it because I sort of had the same initial thought as you that, you know, for the real AAA, you know, the system sellers, let's call them like that. And, you know, I just did a quick check before just around, you know, 
you know, those kind of AAA games. So I'm not talking about like Minecraft, you know, I know people probably argue that is a AAA game, but you know, I'm talking about the games like, you know, God of War, you know, Horizons or Dawn, like big, all these type of games. Big that production are, games. Like yeah, they're like the big games. movie yeah. blockbuster games, right? Yeah. Not the indie that takes off and makes just as much as them. But, you know, these AAA, you know, almost a thousand stuff now, you know, games to produce these games. I looked back and I said, in the last 10 years, you know, what are the biggest selling ones? You know, GTA V, just ridiculous. 135 million sales. Red Dead Redemption 2, 32 million. And then you get pretty much even... Uh, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, 30 million, and then Skyrim, 30 million. And you just start to go, oh, God, like, there's just, like, a lot of sales. And, you know, one thing I reflected on, and this is where I've finally landed with it, for me, Mass Effect, in my head, Mass Effect and the trilogy was, like, a Xbox exclusive. And I know it's not, right? Don't get me wrong. I know it's not. But in my head, I always thought of Mass Effect as an Xbox game. And part of it is just because... It got released on Xbox first. It took ages to come out on PlayStation. You know, Mass Effect 3 came out on the Wii U. I don't know if you remember that. Like, yeah. it's it just like, if you wanted to play that game and you're into that trilogy and you're into that series of games, you got to be on Xbox to get it. So for me, when I look at this, I feel like what they'll do, the most likely scenario is like all the other smaller games, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they release it on both platforms. Because there's still, their argument will be, you know, if you're on Xbox and you have Game Pass, I mean, you're going to have Game Pass, you're on Xbox, why not? You're going to get it for free, essentially. That's how people will think of it. Oh, I'm just getting the gay game as it comes out, day and date, you know, whatever the next, you know, arcane game is or whatever it is, right? Or you can go over to PlayStation and pay 60 bucks for it or 70 bucks in the new future, right? Like, you know, that by itself, you just go, well, <laughs> you know, you're better off an Xbox, but for the big games, you know, and I think I think Starfield will be the first one. I feel like what they'll do is they'll put it on Xbox and not really comment whether it's going to be on PlayStation or not. And then announce maybe six months after that they're going to bring it across to PlayStation. Hmm. So, like, you know, create that kind of Mass Effect thing where it's, you know, yes, eventually you can play it, but, you know with the streamers, with people who are really interested in it, want to watch it, want to play it, it's going to motivate people to go, geez, maybe I should pick up an Xbox instead of a PlayStation because I'm going to get these games day and date and, you know, join in that experience. Or maybe even people who have a PlayStation go, hey, I might get a Series S and, you know, get Game Pass so then I could play that game. And then, or you know, I might, or I might upgrade my PC. Yes, you know, yes. And get Xbox Game Pass for PC. Yeah. So I, I, I just can't see a world where they don't bring those mega titles to everything. Because honestly, though, it's just the amount of money that they're leaving on the table. And, you know, if you're just looking at the value proposition, I don't think they're losing that much if they do release it a lot later. Like, and I'm talking about, you know, 12 to 18 months after it came out on Xbox, because it's already lost that sort of huge spike buzz at the start. You know, is it really going to make a huge difference if like 18 months later... Yeah, you can play Starfield on the PlayStation Five. Well, to we've already that shine. I don't think it will. Well, we've already seen that people are willing to buy Skyrim multiple times across multiple console generations. Yeah. So that just goes to prove that you know, assuming that the Elder Scrolls Six, whatever it ends up being, is you know, is in a similar vein that 
um, people are people would be willing to pick it up if it's six months later released on PlayStation Five. Yeah, hundred percent. So you're you're thinking all these big big AAA games aren't coming to PS? Well, you've you've kind of I didn't really think about what you what you suggested, and that makes sense now. Is that the timed exclu- exclusivity um, because then you're getting the best of both worlds. Yeah. And I I think genuinely they won't tell people and I think they'll probe them. Is it coming on PlayStation? And they'll just stick to the company line around, you know, we believe that all gamers can access the best games day and day on game pass. And that's where we want people to game. I just don't think they'll even entertain it. And it'll be like a surprise announcement later down the track that it's coming it to PlayStation. It wouldn't surprise me though if they say, you know, Wolfenstein Three, whatever they call the next one, um, you know, is an Xbox exclusive. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if they do keep a few of them while they're yeah, potentially doing I'm, the other multiplayer. Yes, and I wouldn't put that quite in the same category. So, you know, I like just looking at it quickly. I'd probably say Starfield, Doom, Fallout, and Elder Scrolls are the ones where I'm kind of considering that they'll go really hard. And then other ones, they might, yeah, make... Like, Dishonored is a really good example. Like, Dishonored, I really feel like that they could make that a, just a pure exclusive. Just mm. just kind of like, you know... There's some that just will sell so well that you're leaving so much money on the table. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. And it's interesting. Microsoft... People kind of forget. Microsoft and Sony, everyone thinks of it as, like, they're similar-sized companies. Microsoft is, like... 100 times bigger than Sony. Microsoft is one of the biggest companies in the world. It was the biggest company in the world until Apple just took over recently again. They're a, like, trillion-dollar company. Like, for them, $7.5 billion is nothing. So it was it was really interesting to see people kind of break that down for the people on Twitter and that. Like, oh, they should buy, they should buy this company. Like, Sony should buy Square Enix. And everyone's <laughs> yeah. like, um, Sony's like market value is like this, and that would be like a quarter of their market value, you know, yeah. or something like that. And it's like compared to Microsoft, which is, and that's just the nature of it, you know. There's there's yeah. some battles you can't win, and acquisitions Microsoft would always win if it was a pure money battle, you know. There's there's yeah. no qualms about it. Yeah, definitely. So it's going to be really fascinating to see how this plays out. You know, Game Pass is going through the roof. Like back in April is 10 million people subscribed now it's 15 million and it was bizarre like a friend who's not massively into gaming or anything like that like i've never spoken to them about gaming mentioned to me that hey i've got xbox game pass for pc and they're increasing the prices and all this stuff i was like whoa this thing is really like taking off it's actually uh surprising to me um so and you know like i'm always on the fence about getting it i think i'll get it eventually especially (laughs) now that these games are going to be on there like honestly it it does change people's views oh my god this is you in game pass is like the most labored decision making process i've (laughs) ever heard because you know you you'll go out and you'll get some analog product that's worth that's like super expensive in comparison but like a 15 or 10 dollar a month subscription just for xbox pc game fast is like man i've been thinking about this for three months at this point i'm very sensitive about subscriptions because you could yeah i know i understand but this one like is even something that you know you don't have to lock in at all which most subscription these days you don't but i just love the fact that you put so much thought into this for what is, from a price standpoint, nothing compared to like those other recent purchases. It's just amazing what? to me. It's also stuff like disappears, and that just bothers me. So, you know, Horizon, Forza Horizon uh, 3 is coming off today uh, off the whole store. So you can't even yeah, buy that, it anymore. 
Yeah, but that's got nothing to do with Game Pass. That's that no, would no, but it, anyway. I know that. But, but no, but dude, if I have the physical disc, I can play that still. Yeah, you know I know, I mean? but that that's a whole separate topic. I know. Like, that's I, bullshit. I know. I, look, okay, I'll take it back. <laughs> like that's a bad way to frame it, but that's how I think of it. But it's it's not logical. So yeah, look, it, it's. I don't know. When I do eventually get Game Pass, and I feel like it is inevitable now, like with the acquisitions they're getting, let's uh, we will have to have like a bumper or something for it. Uh, I'll I'll record you a song for it. That's what I'll do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be good. All right, let's get into our next uh, headline because it has been a big week in gaming. Uh, out of the blue, like I had not heard anything about this. Amazon just randomly, and I think I was on Twitter at the time, announced, "Hey, cloud." gaming that's going really well for google let's get into it as well um so they're off also offering the ability to stream games to pc and mac and then actually really interesting and we'll talk about this a little bit more uh they're also talking about getting it onto iphones and ipads but using a really different mechanism to get it on there um that i think is insanely clever and a huge difference compared to uh google stadia which just to remind everyone you know it's not available in australia so you know that's why we don't have it um, you have to have your subscription to Stadia, but then buy games on Stadia, which I think is completely the opposite of what people thought it would work. Whereas Amazon Luna is sort of a subscription. And then you can also get subscriptions to, I think they're calling it channels. So you sort of can have a, I think they're talking about a Ubisoft channel, which might be interesting to you, um, where, you know, you can get all the Ubisoft games through that channel, um, rather than just like buying them. I don't even know. I can't even, I haven't seen something where it says you can buy the games. I'm not sure if you know that. No, I haven't read that myself. Just the fact that, yeah, yeah essentially you've got a subscription to the, these channels. Um, yeah. 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 And then um, I guess through, you know, a lot of the recent development in hardware that they've been doing with Alexa and all these kind of things, uh, they've also got very similar to Google Stadia, uh, Alexa enabled Luna controller, which also does the whole thing of, it connects to your Wi-Fi and like it has a like which is actually really smart to connect it directly because that just cuts down on latency and that's gonna be a huge issue for cloud gaming in general. Um and I think where you know Android uh, sorry Amazon has a massive advantage is they own Twitch. I don't know if everyone remembers this, but they own Twitch. Um so they're gonna have a lot of Twitch integration. So that's one thing that you know could bring it to life a lot more. I feel like I know that YouTube has that with Google Stadia, and I don't, I don't think it's live yet, but I think people who are willing to jump into games, you're much more likely to do that on Twitch than you are YouTube. For me personally, I wouldn't watch YouTube and then go, oh yeah, I'm going to jump into a game with this creator. Whereas with Twitch, that the relationship you have with the creator is a bit different. And, you know, I could really see that. Imagine Among Us. And then they're sort of like, hey, you know, I need five people. Bang. You know, whoever mm. subscribers or you know, gives me a donation, can jump in. You know, I could see that happening. That could actually be pretty neat. Um, so, yeah, like, what, what what do you think about this? So, I mean, this this had been a low industry rumor for a while. Um, oh, really? I, but, I didn't know. But I will agree that, like, I hadn't heard, like, no one was talking about it in, like, the last six months. You know, people... When Amazon made the big push into, you know, they they put they started a studio and they started releasing, you know, some games. Mm. Some of them haven't gone so well. Um, they've actually taken them off sale and things. So they they obviously <laughs> would start started putting a lot of feelers out. Started to really get into there. Obviously, they purchased Twitch, which we talked talked about a while back. Um, so there was always that rumor of, well, you know, you've got the three 
the three big kind of people that would would do this, you know, Google, yeah. which obviously Stadia, Microsoft, which we know their hand at this point, and Amazon was the, the third that people were like, they're going to do this, but we don't know anything about it. But it did feel like it came out of nowhere. It felt like what a weird kind of time to do it. Um, I don't know if it's got a lot of buzz yet. Um, Stadia kind of felt like it was a big drop at the time. This feels a lot less. And I wonder if that's because a lot of people just maybe over the whole thing for, about streaming games. I don't know. It's I'm very, as you know, as an Australian, you know, I'm I'm always looking at these from afar being like, oh, that's cool. One day, maybe, you know, one day, <laughs> one day, maybe they'll bring it to us or, it, you know, we'll have the infrastructure to support it for the majority of what they need, you know, to make the money back and whatever. But yeah, it's, it is good though, that they've come out like, so the Amazon's channel, which I think is Luna Plus, you know, it's got some good titles on there already, like RE7 Control, um, things like that. And they're saying it's what, like six, six US a month. Um, yeah. Which, I think that's just introductory, though. I think that, yeah. that's going to go up by like 30, 40%. I wouldn't be surprised if that's more yeah. like nine ninety nine a month eventually. So it's it's still it's still unknown to me. Is is that kind of model people what people are looking at for streaming games? We know Game Pass. We know that kind of model for like a Game Pass style setup, which isn't streaming. Well, although you know they're going to incorporate that works but we don't know if this works yet 100 percent um well yeah, you know it's, it's interesting because like there's a few things to unpack there that you just mentioned you know being in australia we because our infrastructure is so terrible due to really i don't know without getting too political but i think you can just say by facts that you know we've dropped so low in the internet rankings around the world like the average speed you can get in an australian household compared to the rest of the world you know, we're like 70th or 80th now, which is just ridiculous for a country that tries to be, you know, purportedly in the top 20 on most metrics. Um, you know, and, and you're quite fortunate. I think you're in a really good spot where you actually get ridiculously good internet and I get pretty good internet as well. So we're probably two people that can't complain as much as others. Um, but it's it's bad because across the board, it's just so flaky that, you know, I've got friends at work who their internet drops out all the time during the day. So like during calls and everything, and video calls, um, you know, if you're one of their major players, you, Australia just, you know, Australia's 2% of the world's GDP, right? So if you're a major player and you're looking at it and going, there's so many issues down there, you're just not going to bother. Like, you're going to have to really want it and really care about it and, you know, either maybe not be aware of it even. <laughs> you know what I mean? Aware of the issues. And also, you need to set up servers in Australia. Like, you have to leverage the servers in Australia for this kind of stuff. It's not going to work you know, bouncing it off the States because already the latency on these kind of services is pretty bad. Um, but, you know, we will jump into a story later around xCloud and some some discussions around that. But also, you know, there were some recent announcements um, from the Australian government that actually hopefully in the, in the long term will help us. Um, just, you know, just to boil it down really quickly, you know, in South Korea, you know, pretty much every connection that you have or the vast majority of connections are fiber optic all the way through up to your household or dwelling. Whereas in Australia, they were going to do that. And then at the change of government, they actually got rid of that plan. So they've laid cable almost all the way around, but then the last little part of the connection, they've used the old technologies like copper or whatever was in the, the ground. 
Now, even I looked at this, you could actually quote the government. You could actually go to a government agency and ask them for a quote to connect it all the way to your house. And some people have done this. And it's cost them like twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 to do it. But some people, they just could not get onto the internet properly and they need that for their business for whatever reason. And now the government has actually announced that they're going to have a system where it's like a really weird way they've described it, but it's by 2023 that by demand. So it's when a customer says, hey, I want a better plan or a higher speed. So this is like gigabyte speeds that because it's an on-demand basis, they'll go out and for much more nominal costs, I think they're talking about like a grand or something like that, they'll actually connect your house and, and route it all through your street. And it seems like a very ad hoc way to do it. So I'm like keeping a really sharp eye on it because I definitely will do it. Like I'll submit it straight away. I'll pay a thousand dollars to get like the best connection I can, even though I have already a pretty good connection. Um, but I do hope like this kind of stuff with time will sort of help really get us back into the modern world from an internet perspective. But yeah, like I tried to, so I literally saw this pop up on Twitter and like pretty much instantly. And then I actually clicked it to to subscribe, to register for this service. And it's US only at the moment. What a surprise. I know. I know. And I was thinking, <laughs> you know what? This is just like not going to happen in Australia. So um, I, I've, and, got two, I've got two big thoughts about this then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. So first is I think this will live or die on the Twitch uh, integration and how well agree. they leverage that. So. That is to me going to be, yeah, that is going to be, you know, what makes the difference. And the second is this pretty much at this point, this kills Stadia. Like if it wasn't already dead, this is the killer, isn't it? Like not xCloud, it's Amazon. And I think I had a joke in my own notes, basically like Stadia tried to kill itself, but, you know, it's basically this has just tipped it over the edge. But yeah, like Stadia... It never clicked with people. It never made sense to people. I've already heard people's reactions to this. You know, I guess like for something like this, as long as you're not getting negative reactions, I think that's the most important thing. Because um, I think I think you're 100% right. I think, and I, I really hope they do something a little bit different, which is, let's just say you're an Amazon Prime member and you're on Twitch. So you're already a Twitch Prime member as well. You know, like my example before about the Among Us thing, imagine if a creator or a streamer could go, hey, I want to get five people on and you could do like maybe a a limited time trial of Luna on your PC, Mm. you know, and then it lives and dies by how good it works, right? And if it works really well, and I have a lot of, you know, just full disclosure, I have a lot of Amazon web services, like I use a lot of their services And to me, they're so much better than Google and everything else out there. Like they have worked this thing out so well that I actually have a lot of faith that they'll get this working well. I mean, look at Twitch. Twitch dominates everything else from a live streaming point of view. Like nothing works as well as Twitch. In Stadia's defense, the technology, mm -hmm. like, because I've I've watched a lot of comparisons, especially between Stadia and xCloud or or whatever Xbox are calling it these days, Uh, cloud gaming, streaming, or whatever. Yeah, even Um, Phil Spencer still calls it xCloud, even though officially they're saying don't call it that. It's funny. So, and the (laughs) Stadia, you know, like, especially, like, obviously people testing this in the US and probably got very good, you know, connections and that. Like, the tech behind Stadia, like, apparently, you know, it works really well. So, they've just kind of... it works, right? uh, No, look, from the tech side, I've heard... 
very good things, Not maybe not for every game. You know, there's times mm. when I think I've heard Destiny can get a little bit tricky because, you know, that game is very twitchy and things like that. Yeah. But the the problem is, like, the whole approach, as you said before, about having to buy games. Now, I know you get some free games as a Stadia Pro, whatever they call this, their paid subscription, but you're... Like, it was at odds with what people were expecting, as you said, you know, as opposed to what Amazon are doing with this this subscription service. That feels much closer to what I think people were wanting. But mm, yeah, I agree. we don't know. We don't know. You know, it's it's maybe maybe no one wants streaming in general. Who knows? Well, know? I'm not a big fan of it, you know, at all. And I... But I'm very, like, I'm very out of the mainstream, really, to be honest. Like, I always buy physical if I can. Like, and I regret it. You know, we talk about this offline a lot. Like I always regret, almost regret getting Smash Brothers physically because then I have to change it out and do all that. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, it'd be so much quicker and easier if I had it digitally. So for me, I don't know, streaming, just the idea that it's like, hey, if my internet goes down, okay, sorry, I can't play it. It's like, it just sucks. You know, I just couldn't be bothered. Like, but I, I get that I'm way out of the norm for those, that sort of, you know, thought pattern. I think for most people, like, like you're saying where I've seen the same thing, like I have seen where Stadia hasn't worked well for people, but you know, when it works well, if it's not a twitchy game, you know, like all the sort of Eurojank games that you've been talking about, <laughs> I could imagine them being completely fine streaming, you yeah. know, <laughs> and like, you know, get away from the Dark Souls kind of games, very accurate kind of games, Rock League, those type of games. And honestly, a lot of games I like. You know, yeah, I could I could see it working. And for me, again, just to reiterate, I really think it's, does it work well? Is it pretty seamless? And is it easy to get in? And, and you know, your point around the streamers, like, can you just bang, click something, jump in the game and then see yourself in their stream? Hmm. That's really powerful, man. And I could, I could imagine it being really useful for small streamers. You know, the folk who have like 20 people who are following them. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, I'm about to play Among Us. You know, let's jump in. Like, a lot of people would want to do that, and they love that kind of interaction. So, uh, yeah, I think that that's how it's going to take off, if it does take off. But I still kind of go back to xCloud, and it just seems to me, you know, if you're in the Xbox ecosystem, or like me, have a PC, and then maybe subscribe to Game Pass one day, just having it as an option, it just feels like, why would you ever then get an extra one on top of that? You know what I mean? Just, to me, doesn't make sense. So there is an aspect of streaming that we'll talk about the xCloud that I am excited about that is not new, but um, yeah. we'll get to that when we when yeah. get there. Yeah, and the last thing I just wanted to say on this before we moved on is that the controller for Luna, when I saw it, <laughs> I actually <laughs> legit thought they'd done a deal with Nintendo to like <laughs> take the design and then just like rebrand it and they've paid them a lot of money or something like that. Like that's honestly, no joke was my gut reaction. And I even did like a morph image between the two controllers and they're so similar. And I know people are like, oh, there's no other way to do it. I I don't know. Just like the design language of it, it just looks so similar. I was like, well, they've taken what I think is one of the best controllers out there. So I can't, I can't hate them too much. It's really interesting that we've we've almost got to the point where there is a standard design for a controller, you know, Sony's still, still pushing that envelope. Um, but, but Xbox, you know, Xbox and, and the pro controller are very similar. You know, it's like, we're almost at that point where that is the standard now. It's really, well, it is at the moment. Right. Yeah. But then I, I'd fully expect Nintendo to break that again, you know, cause they're just, that's what they do. 
But yeah, apart from the off-axis thing, it's like there is like almost pretty much a standard. Like I would have loved if PlayStation actually moved to off-axis, like same as Xbox. That would have been really cool. It would have been funny to just see people's reactions. Oh man, the Xbox fanboys going, "We win." People we said we were right all along. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let, let's get into uh, so, some smaller news. Uh, not not super small, but Tokyo Game Show. So, like, probably more just like our our highlights, things that we're interested in. It, I don't know about you, but it, to me, Tokyo Game Show was really hard to follow. Like, it was hard for me to get my head around, okay, like, I'm watching this. And, and you know, like, I'm not, I hate when people do this. So, I, I'm being really careful with what I'm saying, but... You know, sometimes I'll jump into like a Capcom thing and they'll have subtitles or they'll have like an option to put it in, into English. And then there's other things when I watch it. So I put in our diaries, the uh, Koei Tecmo uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity stream. So I actually had it in the diary and I watched it when it came out and it was like, oh, so they're not going to have subtitles or anything. <coughs> so it's just Japanese. I was like, oh, Okay. <laughs> like and I'm trying to watch it. I'm like I don't understand what anything. And you know I get it. It's Tokyo Game Show, but I don't know. It felt like it was a bit all over the place, but it was pretty cool. There was some really cool stuff. Um, and, and did you watch the Xbox opener? So I just kind of honestly just skimmed through it, and I read some, um, I guess like reports that kind of just summarize some of the stuff that they went through. But TGS has always been this weird kind of show where. It's always a small trickle of stuff. You might get a big, you might get a big hitter announcement, but generally it's always small stuff that comes through or um, things that are just generally not going to click with you know Western audiences because there were a ton of announcements, um, mm. but just a lot of them are very you know like we don't we're not going to talk about the latest Gal Gun being you know coming to, to all the platforms you know that's not, that not the kind of game that. <laughs> no that's not the kind of game we're going to talk, be talking about yeah. Um, yeah. And but with the Microsoft thing, it, it's really interesting that they, you know, I, I have no idea how the business works behind this, but the fact that they were the opener um, of this, you know, this virtual show is really interesting. Um, Microsoft's obviously very struggled a lot in Japan, especially <laughs> uh, especially last gen. You know, three sixty, they kind of they made some big moves. They had Blue Dragon, they had Lost Odyssey, some really big titles from well known devs, um, and they, you know, it didn't didn't move the needle enough to, you know, get them a foothold in Japan. And then Xbox One, they, or it's almost like they didn't try at all. Which, well, you know, you, you've got to focus on what works. But they've definitely they've reaffirmed a new focus on Japan, um, and it's coming, I guess, amidst a lot of rumors about more acquisitions. This one specific mm. Japanese. Um, <laughs> The studio, which they've denied. Company. If if it's the one that you're, thinking, well, you think. yeah, but it's look. These rooms have been around for a while, so they're not new. Um, which is Sega or Sega, however you say it, right? They're always the one that people are saying oh, Microsoft's going to buy them. Microsoft's going to buy them, and it did kind of. I think if if it felt like it wouldn't happen during TGS because we just had the whole Zenimax Bethesda, thing. yeah, but. If it wasn't for that, there would have been. I think a lot more people would have been expecting that an announcement. Yeah, I, like yeah, the whole Sega thing. You know, maybe we'll just cover it because it is a bit of a rumor at the moment. But yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like a supernatural fit to me for Xbox personally. But they've had a long-standing relationship with Xbox. I mean, going back to the Xbox, the first Xbox, they put out. Um, 
you know, it, they had a crazy ta- taxi sequel that was exclusive. They had a Jet Set Radio sequel yeah. that was exclusive. And Sonic's been there prominently on Xbox. Yeah, so they know, have that long, long-standing relationship. I'd say out of any of the Japanese developers, um, that would be the most natural fit to me between between them. Any of the Japanese developers? I'm just thinking. Let's say, yeah. like, between, let's say, a Capcom or anything like that. You know, I think, no, like, I think Sega right. makes the most sense. Yeah, no, I did, like, look, because Sega, in a weird way, is more American, you know, like, more mm. well-regarded in America than it is anywhere else in the world. Like, maybe... Maybe along with Europe, actually. Europe is massive. And, you know, some people in our audience would argue Australia as well. Um, but, but yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. I just, I don't know. Something about me feels like it's a marriage of convenience rather than a real natural fit. It's more like Sega's like, you know, they've always been weird with Nintendo and Sony in a way because they've been massive competitors and now they're like a lot lower in the, the rankings. So, you know buddy up with xbox i don't know it's interesting it could happen it could happen i, I don't think i'm it not saying happen, but i'm not saying i think it's going to happen i think that if if that if any acquisition was to happen if they really want to get in the japanese market that one would probably make the most sense but yeah. in saying that like i sega i don't know if they've had any huge hitters you know i know they do yeah. publish quite a few i don't know i can't remember honestly i'm I'd have to update myself exactly what they kind of, I guess, what relationships they have with publishing and things. But um, it's, yeah, it's interesting. And they had a bunch of um, people from different um, Japanese studios um, talking, you know, in the Microsoft part, but I didn't uh, look up what they were mentioning, what they were talking about. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's mm. that was that was interesting to open this, uh, the show. And then, uh, yeah, we had, uh, I think it was last night, um, uh, Nintendo uh, Koei Tecmo. So you were talking about that. Yeah, and maybe before we go there, I know we're jumping around the order a little bit. I mean, well, one thing about Sega, they have like a lot of franchises that they could revitalize. And and one that looks like it is getting revitalized is Virtua Fighter. Although, uh, yes, yes. I don't know anything else about this apart from it's Virtua Fighter X or Cross Esports, which I was like, what? Well, that is, <laughs> like, I don't that know is... if that's just an odd Japanese thing or not. So that is all there is to know at this point. Um, yeah. It was a really super strange way. The interesting part is that the the 3D model they had of Akira, like no one's ever, like that. that's a brand new model, right? Or a brand new design. Uh, so it's super strange if they did that and then they just suddenly say, well, we're going to we're gonna be playing uh, Virtual Fighter Five last round, you know, which yeah. that was like 2010 or something or 2012. I think 2010 may have been the arcade release. But that's that's how long it's been for Virtual Fighter. It's kind of weird that they hadn't. You know, it seems like an easy win for them. Um, you know, obviously you have to weigh up the benefit of the development versus how much you're going to sell. But it feels like an easy win in terms of hey, there's a new Virtual Fighter. Everyone's like talking about it, you know, because it's been so long. Um, yeah. So if this like it seems like it's going to be a new game, but we don't know. It's super weird. What? It's surely going to be a new game. And just talking about Sega again, far out. I feel like so dopey. I forgot that Persona is under Sony now. So like that's Atlas. Sorry, yeah. Sega, you meant? Yeah, Sega. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's all talking about publishing. I was thinking Persona. But I didn't want to say because I didn't want to be wrong. <laughs> no, no, they own they own Atlas. Yeah. yeah. Atlas's parent company is now Sega. Yeah. Like, so they had a publishing relationship, and now they're a subsidiary. So yeah, like actually, yeah, the Megami Tensei series, which is massive in Japan, 
and Persona's big everywhere in the world now. So yeah, actually, it would be pretty attractive to get Sony under your. And I just think the IP, like you even mean Virtual Sega. Fighter, you keep saying Sony. Why can't I say Sega? <laughs> I don't know. You keep saying Sony. I, I'm saying Sony. I thought I said Sega. <laughs> I've got to listen good. to this again. It's I'm putting a marker in my own notes. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so, like, they would be attractive to get Sega. Um, yeah, and, and Virtual Fighter, like, one thing you would say, or, like, maybe it's just us being old, but when I hear Virtual Fighter, I'm like, oh, actually, I'm interested. Like, you've got my attention. I'm not saying I'm going to go buy it or do anything like that, but, you know, like, I'm interested in it. I'm interested to see what it is. So, yeah, yeah, we'll just have to keep our eyes peeled for any more news on this one. And yeah. just uh, looping back to what you were saying, yeah, so Koei Tecmo and Nintendo have revealed uh, more gameplay and also uh, playable characters uh, for Haru Warriors Age of Calamity. Since, like, the original announcement, and because I love Breath of the Wild so much, and it's just kind of like anything in that universe, I know it's such a spin-off and it's not the kind of gameplay I'm used to, I'm like, I- I've got to get this Age of Calamity game. I just kind of knew I had to. And then, you know, how I last week got Hyrule Warriors, and I'm really into it. I- again, I don't know why. It's such a weird, dopey game in a way, but I-, I love it. And so I was really keen to watch this, and it was really cool. Like, a lot of it was in Japanese, but they showed about 13 minutes of gameplay footage. And I heard a lot of people getting really upset about it because it was a bit choppy at times and draw distance and stuff like that. But I'm just like... That's just like Hyrule Warriors on Switch, man. It's like, it's not a PlayStation 5. Like, I don't know. I just, I just, I struggle to sort of really understand that. Um, but it was cool to see, you know, all the champions have been confirmed that you can play as all of them. And it looks really, really cool, the different moves. And the thing that got me excited is that Impa is one of the playable characters. And, you know, I know you're a hater of Breath of the Wild, but, and we'll go into <laughs> that. You know, we'll have a Actually, whole episode I will, dedicated to I will on admit, it. I will admit I am a hater. Like, I'm not, I'm laughing at it, but I am. You are a hater. I know you are. It's like, I'm a hater of Lord of the Rings. Like, that's fine. <laughs> it's because everyone loves it so much. It makes you hate it more. But, um, so Impa, obviously in Breath of the Wild, it's set like a hundred years into the future of when all the calamity stuff happened. So Impa is like this old shriveled little little woman but in this it's like uh you know uh, not not too bad looking impa so <laughs> so she's been revealed as <laughs> hey i thought that was pretty pg uh she's been revealed as one of the playable characters and like really really cool moves there and then today so after the recording of this podcast and probably even around the time we'll publish i think they get to reveal another character that's playable so you know they have a suite of characters as they normally do in these dynasty warrior style games um, you know, a big roster of characters. And obviously in the Zelda universe, it's it's always cool to see who they're going to get uh, to play. I don't really know who it will be because just from a Breath of the Wild universe, in a way, there's not that many characters. I think that would make sense to pick, gonna, but it could be could be a lot. They, they've got to have the giant Korok in there, don't they? <laughs> yeah, and one of the weapons is like the, the Korok poo that you get. <laughs> Because I, I told you about this, right? I think you knew about it anyway, but yeah, I didn't yeah, know yeah. about it. And I got all like 900 Korok Siege, which is ridiculous. And then I went back and then they gave me the little present, which is like a little poo. It's like the biggest troll for a developer <laughs> to ever do. It's like ridiculous. I love it. I love uh, it so much. And the other one to mention around Nintendo is just, um, you know, Capcom showed more gameplay footage for Monster Hunter Rise. <laughs> and it did actually get me thinking... You know, we are at a point in the life cycle, and I know there's always been rumors every year about this, but we are a point in the life cycle where 
it does make sense for there to be a revision and a more powerful, and I'm not saying like a 4K switch, but, you know, a revised switch, just exactly what they did with 3DS. Um, and then, you know, sort of looking at the timing of Monster Hunter Rise, that's such a big franchise in Japan. It needs a lot of power. I mean, it feels like there's a real possibility that they'll release a new Switch, you know, in the first quarter of next year to coincide with this game. And then maybe Breath of the Wild too. Well, they launched, didn't they launch um, the, for the 3DS that like, the extra, you know, the the normal 3DS, the extra like analog stick, didn't they kind of launch that yeah. with Monster Hunter? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. So- they kind of already have a history of... Like, obviously, a new Switch revision is much bigger than a peripheral, but, you know, they're not afraid to kind of, you know, to use Monster Hunter as a as a selling point to sell that hardware. Yeah, and it was, like, a really big thing in Japan as well, like, you know, the bundles and things like that. So, yeah, I just wouldn't be surprised if they do something like that. Um, or at least a lot of the developers come and know, hey, you know, you put this out there and it's going to look better in the future. Like, and I must admit, like, eventually, it's it's inevitable that they'll do a revision of the Switch that's going to be more powerful and have more... Like, they've already done it, to be perfectly frank. I, but, I'll tell you what, I'm just looking forward to you finally playing a Monster Hunter game and your first... I'd love to get your impressions after playing it for an hour, because when you start... Like, I played World, which is, like, the most accessible one of them all. Yeah. And in, within the first hour, you're like, what is going on? What is, oh, what really? is this? What is this? Uh-huh. Like... It's so like it, but it clicks eventually, right? That's the thing, right? Yeah, it's like okay, it's a special kind of obtuse that is actually endearing once you get used to it. You're like, this is cool, you know. It's got these systems, but when you first start, you're like, what is going on? Why? Why do I need to do this thing here? Wait, what's happening? What's this item bar down here? You know, it's just. And I'd be interested to see your impressions if you if you actually play Monster Hunter Rise and it's got those similar obtuse elements. Yeah, like, I I am actually really interested in getting it. Like, I think, I think, look, I almost am certain now that I'll probably get it on day one. You know, one thing for me that sounds weird, but I often sort of wait until, uh, you know, the game comes out later and get it for like a birthday or Christmas or something like that. But it's just coming out at a time that's nowhere near my birthday and not near Christmas or anything like that. So... Yeah, I, I think I'll probably get into it. So I'll, I'll be keen to report back to see what it, you know how it plays and all that kind of stuff. Um, and just uh, some other things that have happened. Did you want to go over the Konami news? Yes, yeah, so Konami actually announced a brand new game, which was when I saw that news, I'm like, wait, what? This isn't some like <laughs> Konami remaster collection or anything, because uh, they also announced some of that. But yeah, they announced <laughs> a new action RPG, which is Eden Zero based on a, a manga. I'm I'm not gonna like focus on it i was just it was cool to see a new game from them it looked super rough i will admit um but i do like uh action uh, jrpgs quite a bit so but we don't know what consoles they just literally said consoles um no date because they're also making a separate game for the franchise for the manga franchise um that's on mobile so they just said like there's a consoles game and then there's a, a manga, uh, mobile game but they also announced some uh pc ports of the original metal gear which is quite odd. Uh, Metal Gear yeah. Solid and Metal Gear Solid Two Substance. It's, I'm glad they brought the Substance version and on a good old game. So GOG. So that's really interesting because I'm kind of surprised that MGS and MGS Two because they 
they both had PC ports. I'm, I, I'm not 100% if Substance got a PC port, but um, yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I guess just a, a quick, easy way for them to make money, I guess. Well, I mean, you know, and you know, it's more me. I know you're more than happy to talk about it, but there's been a lot of discussion, rumors around a remake of Metal Gear Solid for PlayStation 5. Like, that's just, there's been a lot of stuff swirling around that for a long time. And, you know, with the whole COVID delays and all this other kind of stuff, like, a lot of the times these things, I think, maybe it is true. Maybe it was meant to be announced and maybe launched with the PS5, but it's been delayed. And, you know, they've already got these ports ready to go. So they're just like, what's the point of sitting on it for, like, six to 12 months? Maybe we just push it out. Because it just seems so odd to, you know, on good old games. Like, not even Steam. It's just like, mm. what, like why? <laughs> like, I don't know. It just seemed weird to me. Like, not a bad thing. It just seemed, didn't make sense. Do we know if, do we know if any of the Middle East <laughs> solid games are already on Steam? Or we don't a know? good question. Probably should know that. <laughs> um, and that maybe that's the reason why i don't know um i don't think metal gear i don't think metal gear would be but um yeah so well i know that they've had bad ports in the past and i know because like i'm known to kind of avoid them but uh you yeah, know it doesn't seem to be like i'm okay. just yeah just looking at steam myself like they've got metal gear solid 5 but i can't see you know 2 or anything like mm. that no, it doesn't seem to be. Yeah, no, they don't seem to be on there. So, yeah, it just seems strange to me that it wasn't going to be on Steam, like, number one. Like, everyone's moving across to Steam, even people you didn't think that they were going to go across. So, yeah, were there any other things from... Oh, there was one big news from Tokyo Game Show that we'll get into next, but was there anything else that really stood out to you? Honestly, not much. I was kind of looking around... I don't know if it's just the fact that not a lot of outlets are reporting on the announcements or if they're just mm. so niche that they just felt it wasn't worth it. Because I definitely saw, you know, like Tencent had a thing where they announced some, like, a lot of it's mobile. That's the thing. So I think as soon as you start hearing that it's a mobile game, it's possibly <laughs> only going to be released in Japan. A lot of the outlets aren't going to report on it. And at that point, you, the only way you're going to really know about it, unless you go to Japanese news sites, is to watch the videos. And I mean, there's a lot of videos from the on the TGS channel. Like, I'm like looking. Is there any that I can go through? There's there was one just before we actually went live with the podcast that looked cool, but it was super strange. It was like some Switch game, like a game maker game, mm. where you can make your own platformers and sprites and stuff. Oh, okay. But it was like it was such a weird presentation that people in the chat that were in speaking english were like this uh, welcome to hell population like 1700 that was like the chat number because <laughs> it was so strange they're just like i've entered some weird purgatory at this point <laughs> but um yeah no other yeah. news um the big the big thing for me was what we're talking about now yeah well let's get into the big news uh from <clears throat> tokyo game show near replicant version 1.2247 Four four eight seven one three nine. Not a strange Japanese title or anything. <laughs> I love the. All right, so this is not new news, but it gave there was a huge update about it, which gave us yeah. so much more information. And I'm I'm kind of disappointed that you said the number because I prepared myself to say it really quickly, but that's fine. <laughs> um, but that that name. Um, so I looked it up. Apparently, is the square root of one point five. Yeah, which is so Japanese. I love you know, that because it's, it's a what that's essentially what this game is. It's near one point five. 
And yeah, I know. It's so you, Japanese. <laughs> oh, but it's so it's so near though, because a near is oh. like this is like forget about like Kingdom Hearts and stuff like that, which obviously does its weird naming conventions. Near this is kind of near is it makes sense in the weird but kind of like earnest world of near. Like it's mm. it's it kind of hundred percent fits. Um, so they announced uh, that um, the replicant version 1.22474487139, thank you, is confirmed <laughs> for uh, Western release, which is great, which we'd assumed it would have been. Uh, but it's on PS4, Xbox One, and PC, and it's coming out in April next year, April 23rd. So that's strange. Like, no next gen. Um, it's just well, all yeah. current gen. Which that's kind it- of like happening all the time, right? Where some of these games have slipped or... Yeah, I guess they just always were going to be on old gen. Well, I also think it's because the game isn't getting such a huge overhaul that would probably justify being on next gen. People might go, well, this doesn't look like a next gen game because it's kind of... All right, so I guess to explain what what is happening here. So they... It's... The game is based on... uh, So the first Nier game had two versions. So a version in Japan that was called Nier Replicant and a version outside Japan called Inter- uh, Gestalt, which was the international version, basically. Yeah. Um, this is an upgraded version of Replicant, so the J- Japan version, which means that instead of playing as um, a father trying to um, look after and save his daughter from this plague, um, you're playing as the brother and, you're, and you have to save your sister from the plague. So the only real differences between the two versions was the fact that one version you play as a father and one the other version you play as a brother. Ugh, okay. And a lot of people that now love the original Nier, and I, I, to, I got into that game quite early, probably picked it up about four months after release. That game got cracked on by media and people when it, when it was up to release. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah, being definitely. like... Low scores. Uh low scores but like leading up to it because the game looked a bit rough and it's like i remember like i used to go on destructoid quite a bit they'd be like laughing at the game and it turns out the game is actually in my opinion great and those people got it 100 wrong and i think a lot of people have a connection to the the father figure um the near the father near character i guess um and it's yeah, it's kind of a shame, but I guess it's a new experience because I've played through both uh, the original Nia, um in the. So actually, I'll say sorry. You know, I said a replicant would came out in Japan. The three sixty version in Japan was also Gestalt. Oh, so oh, I because I played through the English and the Japanese versions of the game on three sixty, and they were both with <laughs> the father, the father character, right? So I need oh. to clarify that Japan three sixty was that. But, yeah, yeah. So I guess it's only the PS3 version that was. But this, yeah, it's essentially it's an upgraded version. So it's not really technically a remaster. It's definitely not a remake, but it's definitely got a graphical overhaul. But it's essentially actually going to have new content. The lore of these games is already insane, and apparently it's going to add to that, which is really cool. Um, new music is being composed, and... The the music in Nier and Nier Automata is is just phenomenal. It's probably some of the best game music I've ever heard in my life. It is amazing. And the fact that they're composing new music for that and apparently some new voice acting as well. So I'm I'm super excited. I'm definitely gonna pick this up um day one when it comes out. Um, you know, I think for a lot of people expecting this game to play like 
Nier Automata, it's it's not going to. It looks like they've upgraded the combat and made it smoother, definitely. And I've, I believe I read that uh, Platinum may be consulting on the game, but they're not behind it this time. Um, yeah, and that makes a massive difference, right? Like, like essentially, Platinum, it's a very Platinum game. And I, I should just call out, I haven't played Nier, but I've played a bit of Nier Automata, and I really, really love that game. Like... I, like that's the kind of game that I wish you know I was was single <laughs> so that I could really get through it because that's a real interesting game. <laughs> like it's a very odd game. I started playing it and then the credits started rolling. I was like, "What? <laughs> like what is going on here?" And like, like that, that's a cool game. You have no idea where that game goes. And the first Nier was like that as well. Um, a lot of people credit. They're like, "Oh, Nier Automata! Oh, look at this! It's crazy! It mixes genres." Like the first Nier does, does this as well. Like, there's a whole section that plays like Resident Evil with fixed camera angles, you know. There's a text adventure in the game, you know. It's <laughs> it's it's crazy. And the the problem a lot of people had with, with Nier was it was it was very clunky. It looked it honestly looked very rough. Um and my hope is that, you know, if they smooth the combat down a bit, um and the fact that people are coming from, you know, having played Automata. I, yeah. I think I think people are gonna find this is, you know, they're gonna they're they're going to experience what we did when we played this game, you know, and it's, I'm really excited about it. And, but one thing is interesting. So you found a bit of a tidbit about the history of, which just blows my mind. Well, it kind of ties together, you know, my recent dynasty warriors inspired fascination. (laughs) Yeah. It's just looking at the guys who produced it, uh, Shiba and Awaki, uh, Awasaki, that uh, they actually conceived the game as a hybrid between Dynasty Warriors and the very famous uh, Namco uh, combat game Ace Combat. I was just like, well, what? <laughs> I was like, and as I said, I haven't played Nier. I've only played Nier Automata, and I'm, I kind of, kind of get it to to a degree. But I don't know. Ooh. I haven't played enough of Automata either. But well, if you think about the way Automata opens, it's like. Ooh, it's kind of got like that inspiration no, to it. No, but you're saying they can see the first near. The first near doesn't have yeah, any, yes. any kind of air combat. Yeah. Oh, really? And you know, but that happens a lot, right? That happens a lot from a, I have a creative vision of how I want a game to be. And then you can only make something. And then, you know, if it kind of gets that second wind, you can make what you really want to do in a sequel. I don't think that's what they're taking from Ace Combat. What, what they're likely taking from Ace Combat is Ace yeah. Combat has a huge, crazy lore. In the oh, series. okay. There's a whole thing know. called like stra- I think it's like called the Strange Real Universe or something. So I think that it's probably more a law um, inspiration from Ace Combat um, because there is there's bullet hell style stuff in near, but it's more like incorporated in the actual. Um, you may have seen it in near Automata, like the way that the bullet enemies bullets when you're fighting on the ground come towards you are almost like bullet hell style bullets that started in near and they brought it across near Automata. But mm. Ace Combat's not a bullet hell shooter, so that doesn't make sense either. But the thing that it made me go, what the hell, is Dynasty Warriors, because I will admit that I haven't played many of the Dynasty Warriors after uh, games after the f- number two, like the most popular one that started this whole thing. And yeah. it's like, I can't see that game at all in Nier. Like, I just can't see it. Like, the combat is, the combat in Nier, like, you may face maybe 10 enemies at most at once in some parts but i'm like i guess you know but they still say well they that's what they envisioned it but you know obviously it ends up being something different but it was just such a weird 
thing when I read it. I'm like, what? <laughs> so strange. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was really odd as well. I just saw the late breaking news that they haven't fully lifted the restrictions in Victoria. But now they've introduced $5,000 fines. (laughs) They've introduced $5,000 fines now. Oh, man. It's it's becoming a police state (laughs) down there. (laughs) One last thing that I want to mention about Nia is they also did um, announce or go into more detail on another Nia title called Nia Reincarnation. Mm. But unfortunately, I'm like reading it. I'm like, oh, it's cool. Oh, it's mobile. Mm, Okay. It's a gacha game. Close the window. Uh. <laughs> as soon as I read this gacha, I'm like, oh my. Because I even tried, because Yokotaro worked on, um, I think it's called Sino Alice or Sin Zero Alice or something, which yeah. is a recent uh, gacha game as well that I actually tried. I gave it a shot. And I just, I those, those style of games, I just do not click with me. I just feel disgusting playing them almost. It feels like, that's the, feel, the same feeling I got with Mario Kart uh, Tour or whatever, yeah. the mobile game. Yeah, Mario Kart so, Tour. As soon as you start talking about this whole gacha thing, it just pushes me away. So that's yeah, unfortunate. I was the same. That's I was the same with that. And I tried Fire Emblem uh, Heroes, I think it's called. And that yeah. that's just really heavy gacha mechanics. And I don't, it's really actually spoiled mobile gaming in general for me. Just how filthy that whole industry is. I know. I just... I like I, I think I said on the podcast and the sort of ultimate review of it, like the Apple Arcade. I signed up to it, played a bunch of the games, but it's just like I said, it's you know this is going to be a terrible analogy, but to me it's a bit like you know going into the adult, uh, not, not that these exist anymore, but in the old days I guess, in like an adult store that sells DVDs and things like that, and then buying Schindler's List from there. It's like, I can do it. Like, there's good content in there, but I have to wade through filth to get in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just really turned me off mobile gaming in general. And I actually got rid of my subscription because I was just like, ugh. Like, I don't know. These games are really genuinely good. And I'm just like, you know what? I'll just wait until they come out on the Switch or Steam and get them there because they're just, you know, not that interesting. But yeah, like, just, you know, my final thoughts just on the near Replicant a, a re- have they actually it's kind of a bit of a mix between a remaster and a remake i guess really given that it's the 1.5 square uh, moniker yeah but remember remaster remake is obviously not a not a new term but remaster is a relatively new term for, for the video game world a yeah. lot of the time there's you know the games have a history of coming out with an expand an extend ex- uh, sorry expanded version of the game like a 1.5 and I, yeah. that's why I think you should feel about this game. It's a 1.5, but they have um, made it prettier, basically. But have they modernized anything? I mean, it doesn't seem very clear, I guess. Uh, so the combat has definitely looked smoother in the yeah. gameplay that they've shown. Yeah. So. Well, look, it's not a straight port, right? Like, so they've oh, definitely put a lot not. of stuff no, around it. No. I'm actually really interested in getting it, honestly, because... Just even from the little bit of near Automata that I've played, I'm just like, uh, you know, and it, given that there is some level of continuation between these games, I'm actually almost now keen to get Replicant and play that through and then play Automata. So I'll see how it lands. I'll probably, honestly, I'll probably see what you think of it. And if you like it, I'll probably pick it up down the line. Look, it would take a lot for me not to like this game. Like they would oh, okay. have to, <laughs> like, I'm telling you now, like I've given a 98% chance of me loving this game. And that 2% okay. is if they screw stuff up. Yeah. Or I'll probably put it on the to-do list then. But um, yeah, no, uh, really cool. It was really pr- definitely the highlight for Tokyo Game Show for me. Like when this came out, I was like, oh, that's, that's really sweet. 
Well, let's get into the next uh, segment, Xbox. So we had the pre-orders uh, this week. And, you know, at least what I would say is that with the PS5 pre-orders, they did come, they just pretty much went up randomly. Whereas, you know, Xbox did have a good relationship with the retailers. And it did seem like, you know, they hit the dates and the times. Unfortunately, though, there were, it seems like just as many issues uh, for people to try to get their hands on one, lots of bots, lots of issues. Like I was watching, it was quite fun actually, because a lot of people did um, streams and then also recorded themselves trying to buy one. So just kind of like looking at the frustration and, you know, a lot of these big content creators, they don't have special relationships. So they're desperately trying to get one because for their channels, it's quite critical for them to get their hands on these content. You know, like if you're a Xbox dedicated streamer or like content creator and you don't have a Xbox Series X, like you are going to lose views and some of your audience. So it's money to them as well. Um, and I just, I'm so baffled about the way the system works. It just seems so odd to me that, you know, even really simplistic stuff, like just proving that you're a human, you know, with those like, uh, capture checks and stuff like that. They didn't even have that. So can I just talk about captures for one second? I'm completely unrelated to Xbox. Yeah. So I said to myself, oh, Rollercoaster Tycoon is free on, uh, on Epic Game Store. I'm going to log it. I'm going to open the launcher, right? It made me do a capture where have you have you done the capture on the Epic Game Launcher thing? It's like select matching dice faces or something, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It made me do it ten times in a row. Sounds like, like you're getting it wrong. <laughs> no, it, because I had a counter like zero of ten. It, oh, really? Seriously, I had to go through matching that thing, and honestly, like that was one of the most captures are super easy. That one actually, you have to actually look at it. <laughs> 10 times it was like a minute to just to get in sorry i just need to vent about that please continue <laughs> it's funny though because like you know a lot of those things there's you know initially they started using machine learning to try to beat those captures and it's a really weird thing because they use those captures to feed into machine learning algorithms like google and all that kind of stuff but then really smart people and really devious people, what they do is, you know, you know how there's like a lot of piracy and all that kind of stuff. They'll put captures on those sites, but the ones that you're solving are actually the other people who are trying to use automation to break things, like break passwords or whatever. <laughs> so you're like helping out this, you know, real nasty machine <laughs> doing that. But um, yeah, just getting back to like the pre-orders, it, it I don't know, it just sounded like, and, and also we probably should put the context that the Bethesda announcement happened the day before the pre-orders went live. Not saying that that had an influence. I don't think it did. I think it will have an influence over the course of Xbox series life. But um, yeah, it just seems like there's surely a better way to do this. And, you know, I went into EB Games, my local EB Games in Australia. So it's GameStop equivalent. And it was actually funny chatting to the lady just about the pre-orders and it was like a really hectic week for them because over the course of the week they had the PlayStation 5 and then the Xbox Series X and S. And I was just there picking up Amiibo, of course. Why else would I be there? Um, And by the way, the Joker Amiibo looks amazing. Um, But yeah, she was saying that like one lady came in and she was like, oh, you know, do you have an Xbox Series S? And they're like, no, (laughs) like not at all. And she's like, oh no, I've promised it for my kids for Christmas. Just like, oh, that was a bad choice. It's just like, oh, it seems like stock for these things are going to be really, really, really tight. So as much as they've sort of hit the timeline on trying to getting it out in November, 
doesn't feel like they have the the level of stock that's ever going to satiate the demand that they have. So, I mean, it's even selling out as you've written down in Japan. Like, <laughs> that's that's interesting. Yeah, and it's like that was that kind of news came out during the TGS, and you know, we have no idea obviously what influenced that, but we also don't know what amount they actually had in Japan. Like, was it like a thousand units or something? You know, we have no idea. Yeah, uh, true. Because That's a good point. you know, they've some of the sales numbers in Japan of Xboxes and you know getting down there, but um, also like I was reading, I don't know if it was on Amazon or somewhere else that the Xbox One X actually saw a spike, you know, in the retail <laughs> that had it, and we're like people were thinking, are people just getting confused by the name here, or it just did it actually see a spike because of hey, there's more eyes on Xbox, you know? Why, why would there be a confusion with it when <laughs> you and I both have confused the names and we're doing a gaming podcast? <laughs> like, oh, it is horrible like and i was telling my wife about this i think the thing that annoys me the most the number one thing that annoys me the most is you know when we talk about things you know when we're talking about nia and stuff like that you'd say the xbox 360 and then the ps3 and we both know what that means is incorporating the slim and incorporating you know all the variations and all that kind of stuff and same as xbox one and ps4 like when you say that, you you you're meaning the the One X as well, of course, right? But what do you say regarding the next gen Xbox now? Like, what do you, what are you meant to say? You say what the is Xbox, the what is the word the Xbox Series? But that sounds wrong. That I don't think that's right. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that. What else can you say? Like, well, people are doing this stupid thing of X X X pipe S basically because that's the way that Xbox is doing it. They're writing. Oh. X and, and then doing the pipe symbol in an S. Do I have a like a quick story? Not a quick story, but yeah, yeah, go on. That is that I was on um, uh, I think it was a True Achievements article, and the article had done Xbox Series X slash forward slash S, and then it yeah. had someone in the comments like, "This is incorrect. The official way to do it is <laughs> X five S." I say, do you, do you like, like that? I know this. Yeah, and they're like. You have gotten this wrong. Please amend your article. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's God. awesome! Like that's how that's bad awesome. people have gotten about being pedantic about this. And like, yeah, but see, that's that's BS. You don't have to do that. That's just a marketing thing. I, I think if it's actual like the brand name, that's different. But that's just their preferred way of writing it. Like that's different. See, for me, I would rather just say Series X because you know that that's going to cover Series S. Like when we're talking about, because we know games are going to be playable on both, right? Oh, I've got a new game for my Series X. That makes sense because you know, well, it'll, it's also the Series S, but you don't need to say it. You know what I mean? Because, <laughs> you know, I have to say, because the word series does not denote what they're saying in a way, right? Because you should have other series in the future if, if that's what they sort of mean. So I, I'm, because, you know, like, again... I think that you will get a Series X in the next year and a bit. Oh yeah, that's my prediction. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you're 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 already admitting that. <laughs> um, whereas uh, I'll wait about probably, three. I said I probably maybe about six months after I might, but it depends on depends on a lot of things, really. Yeah, because I think for me, where I've landed with it all is that I will wait until the revision for the PS5 comes out because that PS5. It's so big. 
Like, people do not realise how big it is. It is insanely tall. And I think, you know, they'll have a revision and it's going to be heaps smaller. And I think with Xbox, where I'm landing is, just now that they're sort of just reaffirming, everything's coming out on PC. And I've got a good gaming PC. It's like, why would I get an Xbox? It doesn't make sense. Well, it's been like that. So that's kind of where I'm landing. It's been like that for a while anyway, but yeah. No, no, I know, but it's just the confirmation. You know what I mean? Like, if they said, oh, no, things are going to come out on Xbox first and then PC later, it'd actually change my mind a bit. But if anything, the the best exclusive Microsoft has had in the last year and a bit, or maybe even longer, to me, is Microsoft Flight Simulator, which is PC only. So, yeah, I think that's where I'm landing on it. But, um, yeah, no, it's it's interesting. And it was funny to see the Xbox One X sales spike. I mean, that's very relative. Like, it might have been one or two sales and that was it. But mm. the names are terrible. The names are shocking. And I can't wait to see what they're going to call their revision three to four years in like what are they going to do like xbox series xs or something i wouldn't be surprised if they do that xbox series xs one s <laughs> oh no 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 they'll do xbox series x v 1.22474487139 there you go done there you go phil spencer and uh speaking of phil spencer it seems like phil spencer has confirmed that x cloud is coming to australia <laughs> Yay. Did you see this? So I saw the tweet um, where you said, I think you mentioned to me, Xbox Game Pass is coming, Ultimate's coming to Australia. I'm like, I, what? Uh, what? That's confusing. Like, what? Yes, yes, yes. And I felt like screenshotting my subscription on the Xbox website to show you that <laughs> you, I am an Australian. I already have Game Pass Ultimate. What are you talking about? <laughs> But it's not, you have the Povo Game Pass Ultimate. You've got the rip-off Game Pass Ultimate where you don't get the streaming in, in it for free. Well, I'm an Australian. What can I do? <laughs> but don't you think this was odd that literally just a... a I, I actually, I'm going to bring it up now because I feel bad like not bringing the person up. But that an Australian content creator just reached out to Phil Spencer directly around... Like, you know, hey, is it coming to Australia? And he just came back and confirmed it. I was like, What? <laughs> Like that was, that's strange, isn't it? If anything, that just shows you how little Australia matters in the scheme of everything. Like that, well, yes, that you were yes. just out of via tweet. Like we don't matter. We don't. Matter. Well, he he didn't even. It wasn't even a tweet. It was just a reply. <laughs> like that's like, <laughs> and again, like I'll always say this that um, you know Australia's only like two percent of the GDP of the world, so. You just can't focus on Australia too much. It, it's kind of a bit of a rounding error for a lot of companies, unfortunately. Like, I wish it wasn't like that. Those uh, those NBN upgrades will come in handy here, I think. <laughs> well, they're not happening, supposedly, until 2023. Um, but, yeah, no. Like, I think for you, because you've got a pretty good connection, um, I, I can't see a problem. Like, if it doesn't work for you it, or or for me, it's not going to work for anyone in Australia. Hmm. But the problem, so all, yeah, the problem I have with this is, and it's more so than I, the problem I would have with Stadia or Amazon because they're not, you know, they're not ex- part of the Xbox, um, you know, ecosystem. I keep saying that term. Um, is if I'm at home, I, I don't have a need to stream Xbox games from the cloud. There's no need for me to do that. So the oh only, yeah, of course, the only it's not need, for that. The only well, but then I'm relying on having basically, okay, if I'm out somewhere 
how the hell am I going to get any kind of internet access that's going to support xCloud when I'm away from my home? Mm. Like, I just, isn't that just the problem with streaming in general? It is. It is, but unlike, see, with Stadia, there's no Stadia equivalent of a console. There's no Amazon equivalent console. So that's adding something to your repertoire at home that you don't have. Whereas I yeah. have an Xbox at home. Like, I... And this is where it gets into the thing that I'm more interested in, which is the console-to-device streaming. So similar to what PlayStation's done for a while with remote play, and X, uh, Xbox has had for a while t- from Xbox uh, One to PC. That's interesting mm. so that I can... And I do it all the time these days is I will, you know, be playing a game in the lounge room and I'll go, you know, go to the bedroom, whatever, lie down, and I'll just stream to you know, my surface or whatever down there. That interests me because that is, that's adding to what I can do at home with this, you know, unlike xCloud where it's like, well, I guess I could lie in bed streaming xCloud, but when I've got the ability to stream straight from Xbox One, you know, I might as well just do that. And how well does that work? Because I've tried streaming from my PlayStation 4 onto my iPhone and I had like, you know, my Wi-Fi internally is on point like there's nothing wrong with it it's very well set up and very low latency like i'll put like 4k streams across my network and everything works fine but i found it to be really i don't know man it was kind of like really buggy and really kind of like you know when you get a wii u and go onto the edge of when it's compatible and it sort of starts to just stuff up and not work properly so for me um, I've had very mixed take um, experiences with this. So from console to PC, whether or not it's a Surface or a fully-fledged laptop, um, it works really well, but I won't say that I've tried it in a situation where I'm at the edge of the house and the, my Wi-Fi you know, is at you know, the opposite edge, right? I haven't stretched it that far because at that point, like I'm, you know, I'm in a room that's empty at the moment. You know, I'm, I'm, there's no reason for me to, to try that. But generally it works pretty well. Um, but I'm also playing games that I know can be will be okay for delay. So I'm playing a lot of grid-based, like, Kemco RPGs and things, right? Things that I know that I can move around. And if it has a hiccup, because it definitely has hiccups, it's okay because it's a turn-based, it's whatever. I'm not going to try to play something like Halo on it. Um, mm. but when I tried to do the equivalent with, uh, my Android tablet, I had a lot of issues. First of all, to be able to do that, I had to sign up to be an Xbox insider. So I went through that whole process. And so now I'm getting updates all the time on Xbox one because I'm like in their beta program or whatever. <laughs> then, oh, cool. then actually getting it set up for whatever reason, it was just a pain in the ass, but I've got it set up. And when I was in the exact same place where I'd normally do it to my PC, I tried it doing it to the Samsung tablet and it was just absolute crap. It just was just, it was completely unplayable, even though I was in the exact same, you know, like setup. So I've had good experience from console to PC, but bad experience from console to Android. So Mm. that's kind of my experience with it so far. I mean, the one thing that I think is really critical with all of these things is having as little friction as possible. And I do see the benefit if it's just like, and you know, by the way, you can't do this at the moment. Like I have an iPhone, you can't get uh, xCloud on the iPhone. Like Apple has blocked it. So you can't get xCloud, but they've just apparently an update. I don't know if it's live already that allows the console streaming. 
to iOS. I read it. Yeah, uh, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. But not yeah. xCloud, no. No, no. but it, my point was just going to be around the xCloud. Like, the one thing that I do think is a benefit of it in a way is just that, you know, it's just the app. You go into the app, you start straight away. You know what I mean? It's, like, not relying on any other factor apart from, are you on the internet? Yes. Do you have a decent internet connection? Yes. Then open the app and start playing. Like, I, I get the benefit of that, like, because it's very, just get straight into it. The thing that I would think would be really cool is if you could use that to play co-op. So like, you know, if I had a mate over and I'm playing a game, I'm like, hey, you know, here's my phone, jump in and we can play co-op together. And I would imagine it doesn't work like that. Yeah. it'd be like effectively the same account, right? Yeah, I'm not sure. I know that, um, you know, we talked a while back about Parsec. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. People like media people and that. Uh, actually playing co-op games that traditionally require um, local co-op, like Spiritfarer, they're playing that co-op over Parsec. So that's interesting. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about Parsec. But that's an interesting... Like, that's a world where, okay, that is a cloud service, obviously not available to the general public, and that's not its purpose at the moment, but that is facilitating local co-op um, remotely. Mm. So, yeah. Does that I mean could we use Parsec? How does it work? Uh, I... From my understanding, it's like it's for the media, isn't it? It's for the outlets. I just checked; it's like thirty bucks a month. So you can actually use Parsec yourself. It seems like it. Oh, huh. okay. Well, it seems pretty cool, though. Hmm. I'm, not, I'm not really sure how it works. Like, yeah, I, I'm going to actually look into it because I've heard a lot about it and it looks really, really cool. Like, and it's a pretty cool idea, actually. Like it's a, it's a good implementation of it because you're just r- ripping out all, all like the confusion really. Yeah, but was there anything else on XCloud that you wanted to discuss? Ah, uh, not really. It's I know a lot of this stuff needs to go through long testing periods, but it just feels like Microsoft have been talking about it for so long. It just feels like just put it all out already. You know, <laughs> it just feels like it's dragging on. Yeah, no, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, well, let's get into uh, our next segment, Animal Crossing. So, let's be real, 2020's biggest game. Like, I think, you know, we don't even know how much Animal Crossing has really sold because uh, Nintendo's numbers were not inclusive of a big period of time and they don't really disclose physical sales. It's uh, or, or like, no, sorry, they disclose physical sales but not digital sales. But I think, you know, just hearing Phil Spencer give it a massive rap as part of uh, the update at Tokyo Game Show, just shows the impact in the industry that's had, and especially bringing in gamers like non-traditional gamers into the field. So, as Animal Crossing does, and I haven't actually uh, looked at my village for a while, and I'll, I'll boot it up. But uh, yeah, there's a Halloween update, um, so you're going to be able to grow pumpkins, which is pretty cool, and bring that into different recipes. It's like lots of different costumes, and I think. Um, <laughs> The, the number one thing I wanted to highlight here, and I think it's a bit of a troll for a lot of people in dif- to different regions in the world, is that uh, Ring Fit, that uh, there's an actual Ring Fit item in the game. Now, I know that like Ring Fit has kind of come back into the stores in Australia, but from my understanding, in a lot of places in the world, you still cannot get Ring Fit. Like, and it's been on back order for a long, long period of time. So I feel like that would be, if I was in that situation, I'd actually get a bit annoyed <laughs> about, about that. Um, but yeah, like, you know, just speaking of ring fit, have you, have you been using your ring fit? I know that you got into it a little while ago. Um, 
So I dropped off a little bit, but I'm planning on getting back into it. Um, yeah. Yeah, just for various reasons. But I had fun, but I just... The problem is that... Because I, I can't physically run because my foot has a problem. Um, yeah. The the thing that they get you to do in the silent mode of bending your knees to make the character run just feels like I'm just trashing my knees as I do it. So, Oh, the squats? Uh, it's, well, it's not really even squats. It's almost just like knee bends. Like It doesn't feel like a normal squat, oh. but it's so, oh. you have to do it so much to make the character run that it feels like <laughs> I'm just destroying knee joints. <laughs> so I might, I might actually give it a shot and see if I can get away with the running part, um, just, <laughs> just making my foot the like i know i know that you can turn the sensitivity way down so it's like a really really light jog is like full speed running in the game okay maybe i'll try that then yeah have a try that because it's like literally just like barely even running dude like from what i've seen when people turn down the sensitivity i've got it the other way around so i need to go like really hard at it to make it move from lack of wanting to do it it's just you know i I literally can't run with that foot so like oh what do i do you know (laughs) Yeah, we're getting old, so it's understandable. I like I don't think it's ring fear. I can't remember what it was from, but my knee is starting to get creaky. I was like, wow, man, I'm getting old. <laughs> but yeah, just getting back to Animal Crossing, like it's such a cool game. It's it's just such a perfect game for twenty twenty and all the stuff that's happened in twenty twenty and I know personally it's gotten a lot of people through um, you know, twenty twenty and elements of twenty twenty and the ups and downs of it. So I, I just think for me the one thing that I really wish they added to the game, and they might do, and I hope they do, is just more interaction with people when you're playing online. Like, when you're playing multiplayer and visiting people's islands. Like, I'd love if you'd be able to play, you know, multiplayer games or do something like that in the game. I felt like even the GameCube version had more interactivity in it than even the Switch version. Like, you had, you know, those virtual NESs back in the GameCube game. It's kind of crazy to see what YouTubers and streamers have have gotten out of a game that's not set up for that, you know? Like, yeah. watch the Survivor games and people, like, come out mini games like, you have to collect the most fruit, but then there's, like, pitfalls all around, and then, you know, yeah, yeah. have ways to actually, like, set that up properly would be amazing. Just imagine imagine the, how much that would just boom on Twitch if they had those capabilities. Well, you know, and I think, you know, if I'm honest with myself, like obviously Nintendo is my favorite game company and it's like really close to my heart and probably a bit irrationally so, but they are just so weird, you know, with the way they do things sometimes. You know, like I, I think you're 100% right. I think they don't actually need to do that much. And they've got a history of being able to do this kind of stuff. Like, look at Mario Maker. They know how to build this stuff. It just seems strange to me that they don't lean into those spaces. And, you know, I'm not talking about, like, really making it super interactive. But like you're saying, like, be able to set stuff up that you can go, okay, this is how I want to set the course up. And, you know, there's a switch or something and I can reset the whole course to put it back to the way it was or whatever, you know? Because... I've seen people do that, but it's so pedantic to get it all set up and it's kind of a almost a one-use thing and then you have to set it up all again. It's not really fun for like me to invite you guys on my island and do that, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah, it's it, a shame. It's a shame, but it is all these weird things that it sounds so strange, but almost makes Nintendo who they are. Like, how, Yeah, like, yeah, correct. So... The, there's this enigma you know, about who makes decisions in Nintendo. Why can't we like play Mario Maker multiplayer with our friends and then they patch it in on? Oh. Like, 
what the hell? <laughs> but it's kind of it just adds to the 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 weird unique mystique like uh, that Nintendo are weirdos, but we kind of love them for it. But we still want this. It's like Animal Crossing is a good example. Like there's so many people saying. Oh, the quality of life updates could be made to made to Animal Crossing about the inventory management and all this stuff. And mm. I think, as a non Animal Crossing player, like this is coming from probably you know very ignorant standpoint, but Animal Crossing's like not meant to be like that. You know, it's like it's meant to kind of be weird and laborious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah, it's and that's obviously a very conscious decision by Nintendo because they could easily implement that stuff, but they just don't want to. No, no, I, I totally agree. And it is funny when I look at those lists, like, you know, when I was playing the game quite a bit, like, you know, 10 hours a week, 20 hours a week or whatever it was, like I saw everyone say that, but I'm kind of like, that's kind of the, the, the beauty, like for lack of a better word, the beauty of it, that it is kind of a bit odd in that way. And, you know, it kind of forces them mundane nature of it and forces you to be like, just very simple and boring and you know like you know just really really tight on on what to do and i know that we're we're in a different segment but i forgot to actually mention it you know with the phil spencer tweet it was uh, a guy called skill up he's like a youtuber uh in in australia or like you know he's an australian youtuber who reached out to phil spencer but i forgot to mention it but i do want to mention it yeah yeah just going back to animal crossing yeah it's just ah yeah it just doesn't seem like they've kind of got it right <laughs> like a lot of the community which yeah. it's you know i kind of can't say that but yeah i don't know it's it's just, it's a funny one it's a funny one and um <laughs> her jam packed uh, animal crossing week uh you know and and you know as a person who's like a little bit into amiibo and dabbles in that space uh we already knew that there were sorry I, i'll take a step back animal crossing so not as part of Animal Crossing New Horizons, but actually as part of a very, very popular, <laughs> not, uh, Animal Crossing game on the Wii U. Uh, and this was in the height of uh, the Wii U. They released like a Animal Crossing game. It's on 3DS actually, sorry. Uh, Happy Home Designer. Um, and they had these Amiibo cards as part of the game. Now this game wasn't very popular at all. Uh, and neither was the Amiibo Festival game on the Wii U, but the cards still work in Animal Crossing New Horizons. And because the way that they work is there's 400 cards total, and it's broken up into four series. There are other uh, ones, like there was a crossover with Sanrio, but they're they're not really that related, and I don't think you can get much in uh, New Horizons from the Sanrio ones, but these 400 Animal Crossing Amiibo cards... That means that, you know, if you have the card and the kind of villager that you really want, you can flash it in into the Switch and then essentially you will get that villager over time. So for some people, they're really like insane. Like they're so pedantic. Like I want to have these certain villagers in my village. So they're willing to get these cards. Now the cards were released years and years ago. It was like, oh, like I think from memory, like, you know, 2016-ish from memory. And... You know, these cards have gone through the roof in value. Like, you couldn't even, like, get rid of these cards before. And then when the new Animal Crossing game came out, these cards, and I was just checking eBay Australia, like, individual cards. And and keep in mind, like, in a deck, you'd buy these cards for maybe, like, a dollar a piece-ish. These individual cards, at times, we were selling for, like, $100 each. Like, a single individual card. Like, it was just nuts. Um, so, uh, 
you know, Nintendo Japan uh, earlier this year announced, yes, they're going to do a reprint in Japan. And actually some of my friends uh, ordered some. So they got like the Japanese cards and they're all in Japanese and they still work in Australia. But now Nintendo America has confirmed that they're going to release it in November. Uh, uh, like, you know, basically you can get these cards again. Now, <laughs> you're going to think this is nuts. But like my wife is like so into these cards. So then I ended up reaching out to all these people in Australia that I know in this kind of area and have relationships with Nintendo. I'm like, we're going to confirm whether this is coming out <laughs> in Australia or not. And they're not really sure at this stage. It might but there hasn't been really that strong confirmation on either sides. So I don't know, man, I might have to start like importing some of these cards into Australia, which is just nuts. And they're like $6 US for a pack of six. So I don't even know how many I'm going to get. Like, I don't even know how it's going to shape up. Tell me that I'm insane. I, uh, I don't think you're insane so much as the whole idea of this is insane to me. I like... <laughs> Not so much that they're reissuing it. That's great for people that really. Yeah, want that's it. cool. That's really that's cool. cool. That doing that, but just I've always thought the idea of having like extra cards for games is just such a weird concept. Back to when they had the e-readers for the Game Boy. Yeah, you know, it, <laughs> it like so much of this thing. It just it just blows my mind because I don't know. Like I have no problem with the amiibo, which is weird. Because mm. You can, you know, the Amoeba serves the purpose of being a toy as well as, you know, an RF reader thing. But the cards, what do you do with the cards afterwards? Do you keep them? Do you get rid of them? Because they can't be... Well, they have collector packs. But they can't be used again, can they? No, no, you can... I I believe you can use them as many times as you want. Oh, okay. Then, yeah, then I'm just like, okay, then is it just a matter of do, do I collect them like normal cards? Or is it just... Do we only want them for Animal Crossing? That's all I've got to say. I'm just confused why this is a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. And then I look at it as well and I go, oh God, it makes me kind of sick because I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do because I know my wife would um, want them, but it's so expensive, dude. It's crazy. Like I would never buy them. I didn't buy any because they're so overpriced. It's so crazy. But it, you know, retail price even like best case scenario in the US to collect every single one best case scenario and this is not realistic it's like 400 US dollars to get all 400 cards now obviously it's way more than that because you've got to buy more and there's boosters and all that stuff you probably have to like pay a thousand dollars start selling the cards swapping with people all this kind of crap right I don't know what I'm gonna do dude I don't know maybe I'll get like you know a few from each series and then that's the end of it you know what I mean I don't know. It's stuck we'll see how it goes Etsy with Christmas. And getting like, what was that? You need stuck going in Etsy and the people that like made their custom things. And no, but she hates that kind of crap. <laughs> and I, to be honest, don't like it either. I hate that kind of character. You get stuff. what you want, at least. No, no, but I don't think she necessarily wants it. Like, wants the specific villages. I don't even think she'll play the game again. I think she just wants the cards. Oh wow! Like, okay. it's just something she All wants. Right. Yeah. She shook. Okay. Well, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> on your own. I don't know. And it's annoying because I need to make a call on it because, you know, to get it by Christmas and it's coming in November, I'll pretty much have to import it straight away as soon as they release it. If she, Okay. All right. This is super dodgy. If she's not going to use them, can't you like, is, surely there's like PDFs of the designs out there. <laughs> no, nah, these cards are very like, you know, they're to counterfeit them probably. It's, it's not. 
because they got hollow and all that other kind of stuff on them. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Look, I think I think you know, and you know, I do have that business mind. <laughs> what was that? Does she know there's hot like holographic things on it? <laughs> I'm not going to deceive my wife. <laughs> Animal Crossing. Ah, oh, the news headline: Man, gets a divorce. Wife divorced husband over counterfeit Animal Crossing card. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome, man. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go down that path. So, and then my mind, the way it works is, I think, well, okay, if it doesn't come out in Australia, I'll have to import it. Now. There are a lot of people that would buy it in Australia, so I might go. I might end up buying a bunch more than I would normally, just to like reduce the shipping cost. Maybe sell some on eBay here in Australia, so then I can average out the price a little bit. Oh, God, this is this is going to be freaking a lot of pain, man. I wish I didn't have any money at some point in my life. Um. So yeah. Anyway, I'll, I'll see if it comes to Australia. I'll you know bring it up again. We do have confirmation just on the <laughs> amiibo stuff that the Monster Hunter amiibo definitely are coming to Australia. But Nintendo Australia is trying to work out how they're going to just distribute it. So it might just be through eBay. It might just be through them directly. So whenever that happens, I'll also bring that up in the potty. Uh, but let's let's get off Animal Crossing and amiibo <laughs> to something that's much more straightforward. Uh, Spider Man. So, you know, it's kind of funny when I think back to like Xbox One and PS4 and there's a lot of confusion over stuff around Xbox One because I feel like just as a more of an, you know, independent person, because I'm not that wedded to either console, I feel like a lot of stuff that Sony's doing recently is causing confusion. And the whole thing around, you know, Spider-Man Miles Morales is that people are sort of going, okay, you know, if you get the ultimate version, you get Spider-Man, the remastered game. And it's not just like Spider-Man, a poor, it's like, they've actually gone in, changed the textures, you know, brought it up like to a high resolution, all this kind of stuff. Right. But then obviously people are going, well, hang on a second. <clears throat> I'm not actually interested in Miles Morales. Like, how do I just get Spider-Man? And Sony's response, when I read it, it made me laugh so hard. I, I'm going to read it out and I'm going to try to read it very accurately. Please do. Um, just so that everyone can follow along very clearly at home. So this is from Sony. These are their words. Marvel's Spider-Man Remastered is an enhanced version of Marvel's Spider-Man and is included as part of Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales Ultimate Edition for the PlayStation 5. In addition, players who purchase Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales on PlayStation 4 can upgrade at no additional cost to the PlayStation 5 version of Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales and take advantage of a paid upgrade to download Marvel's Spider-Man Remastered. There are no plans currently to offer Marvel's Spider-Man Remastered as a standalone. Players with a copy of Marvel's Spider-Man for PS4 can purchase Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales Ultimate Edition to experience Marvel's Spider-Man Remastered on PS5. Marvel's Spider-Man for PS4 also will be a backwards compatible on PS5. <laughs> I was just like, really? This uh, is their statement? I've got one question. So, who who makes Spider-Man? <laughs> that is interesting that they have to write Marvels. Well, that, it, that must be part of the deal now or something like it that. It made sense with Avengers because Avengers is just like a one word. Although I think the Avengers would have sounded better, but... Marvel's Spider-Man, Miles Morales, is just like the most tongue-twisting game. 
But just to actually read in what they've said here. So they said there's no plans currently to offer Marvel Spider-Man Remastered as a standalone on PS5. Yeah. I call bullshit on that, right? So you don't think they will? They they will offer it eventually? Oh, they will sell that separately because I've been... 100%, I agree. <laughs> they did that exact same thing, not Sony. Um, I guess is Activision? Whoever does, whoever publishes the um, South Park games, the RPGs, I can't remember who the publisher is. Um, oh, uh, do you mean the developer or do you mean... Uh, the publisher. Oh, I can't remember the publisher. Anyway, um, when they were basically... Because I pre-ordered South Park Fractured Butt Hole. I had to put the face there. <laughs> Which, again, I didn't know what that was until I was on the phone with you and said it to you. <laughs> because the only way to get Sticker True for Xbox uh, One... Oh, Ubisoft. Ubisoft is yeah. the publisher. The only way to get it was to pre-order the the sequel uh, and then a couple of months later oh you can just purchase it i wouldn't <laughs> order the sequel for full price like no <laughs> because you know me as an achievement hunter i'm like well if i don't pre-order it i'm not going to be able to get it because it's a pre-order it's not like you can just but i thought you, I, 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 time. but i thought you said that was against the rules and no no that's a separate thing we're talking but that's what oh, okay. itself but anyway like this is like you they said you had to pre-order the sequel to get the Xbox One version of the first game. And that they backflipped on that so quickly. And I'm like, and I just spent this freaking day one money on this thing. So Sony's definitely going to offer it standalone, like, at some point. Why? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Like, So I 100% agree with you. I think I would... Oh, I don't even know what I'd bet. I'd bet all the Amiibo cards in the world that I'm going to end up buying. <laughs> that, you know, they're going to release it. In six months' time, 12 months' time, as a standalone purchase on the store. Makes zero sense. And even the fact that they wrote, there are no plans currently to offer Marvel's Spider-Man remastered as a standalone. It's like, guys, this is so (laughs) transparent. Like, it's such a PR statement and such a bad PR statement, to be perfectly frank. Because it's just, it's so confusing. Someone wrote a, a flowchart of how it all worked. <laughs> um, and I'm like, that's funny. And then I think even Xbox marketing, which I'll, I'll say the Xbox social media team have been doing a pretty good job with Xbox. Like there's a lot of funny stuff that they've been doing recently. And just around, like, I think they put that question out there for them and they just said, just buy the game <laughs> and just kind of like laughing about it, which is true though. Cause this is just. I don't know, it's just really grubby and, you know, there's a lot of folk that are really into this stuff and I know some people who are really into Spider-Man and they're really actually keen to play it again on PS5 and now they're like, oh, do I have to order, like, the Ultimate Edition? Because, you know, in Australia, you know, we actually have pretty good game prices for Standard Editions, much better than America, I'd say, and even when you convert it to US dollars. But when you start getting into the Special Editions, we're way more expensive than the States. So... For a lot of people, like, it's going to cost them so much more. It's not just, like, $20, like some people are saying in America. For Australia, it's going to cost them, like, US equivalent, like, $40 more to try to get this game. So, yeah, I agree to you. The one thing I would say is, I'm not sure if they're going to do something like, if you had the PS4 Marvel's Spider-Man game, you can pay a little bit extra to get the remastered version on PS5. I think it's not going to matter. I think in like 12 months time, it's just going to be a standalone purchase. doesn't matter if you had the old one or not. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. All I know is between control, this, and whatever else that I'm just sick of hearing about all these things. Like, I to me, as much as it wouldn't be great for consumers to get stuff for free, I just wish that it's like, well, if you want the game on the new console, you purchase it. Like, it just would have made things so much easier. Like, I'm just sick of hearing that. Well, and, you know, I kind of understand. And, I'm, you know, this is not smart for, like, a podcast, right? To be anti-consumer, but because I'm usually more pro-business, but you know, I look at it and just go, they're kind of they're very sensitive around it because I'm already seeing a lot of threads of people who are like I, I've seen people who aren't on either. They don't have a PS4, they don't have an Xbox One, right? And they're going, oh, I'm going to buy the PS4 version of Horizon Zero Dawn because it's cheaper. And you can get it on sale, and then you get to get the PS5 version anyway. So, like, people are getting a bit sneaky and tricky with this stuff. And this is kind of why they're a bit sensitive to it. And, and you know, even in some occasions, I've seen some stuff where the PS4 versions are more expensive than the PS5 versions. <laughs> which I thought was quite funny. But, um, yeah, I, look, I'm probably in the same camp as you. I'm just like, guys, like, you know... You bought it on the PS4. You can always play in backwards compatibility mode, and it looks awesome. And they're going to have enhancements and boost modes and stuff like that anyway. So, I don't know. We're, we're not, like, the biggest graphics, you know, people. So, it's probably part of it as well, hey? Yeah. I. What this whole thing is, is really telling me is that a lot of people expect stuff for free. Oh, yeah, definitely. They're, but it's becoming a bit of a... There's a lot of companies that have done that stuff for free and then, you know, it's and kind of set these crazy expectations. And that's the thing is, that's awesome. I love that they've done that. But the fact that now everyone expects it and I'm not a fan of, it's like, well, and this kind of like, again, we've talked about it. Like I bought the same game multiple times, but that's because mm. I wanted to. Like I wasn't expecting just yeah. because I, you know, like have one version of the game, I can play it the next generation. It's just, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, in a game that I'm very passionate about, Rocket League, there's a, like, I've, I'm actually kind of a little bit disgusted and quite shocked at some people where people were, like, writing in and trying to get refunds for Rocket League. I was like, what? Like, and to the point where, like, some people had bought it, like, two years ago and now are trying to get a refund for it. I'm like, what planet are you on? Just because the game's gone free to play now, you've h- had two years of being able to play it. Like... Like, how is it possible? I thought it was almost a joke, but no, it's real. Like, there's a sizable contingent of people that just feel like they've been ripped off or something. It's just bizarre to me. It's like not how the world works at all. So, unfortunately, I think we're going to see a lot more stories like this. Um, And, you know, the companies like uh, CD Projekt Red with the free upgrades to remastered versions, I think that's probably going to be the rarity rather than what's common outside of Xbox and um, the smart delivery system. I think we'll pick and choose which ones we talk about if they've got an awesome quote like Spider-Man had. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, once I saw that quote, I I had to talk about it. (laughs) And, you know, Spider-Man is probably one of the biggest games from a, you know, especially just the the mainstream and getting out of the real sort of enthusiast sort of space with gaming. Like there's a lot of people that got onto PlayStation 5 because of Spider-Man, so... All right, well, let's move on to some more of the niche topics. Left 4 Dead, Left 4 Dead 2. Ten years ago, and after ten years, there's now been a, an update. There was an update, I think, uh, 2012, but this is a really weird and interesting and really cool, I think, thing that Valve's doing, where they're working with the community 
and sort of allowing for official, you know, ports and official updates to their games. Um, so this is their what they're calling at least the final massive update um, to Left 4 Dead 2, and it's called The Last Damned. And awesome as well, it's actually going to be a free download. So new weapons, maps, new enemy types, they've used some of the old dialogue and brought it into the game, and there's a new campaign. And right now, and I think it's probably going to be too late by the time we publish, but Left 4 Dead 2 is actually free on Steam at the moment as well, so you can actually uh, try it out. Um, but yeah, this is really cool. Like, what what did you think of this when you when you heard this news? Oh, I, it's awesome. Um, any game that you know has a very passionate fan base, you know, passionate but probably small, I imagine at the moment. It's great that they're able to work um, through through official channels to get something like this through. Uh, Valve has a history of you know whether or not it's Counter Strike's days as you know as a mod or um, you know Dota and all that kind of stuff. Like they've they're very in touch with the community around all of this stuff. And I think Black Mesa, the, um, I guess the remake <laughs> was a huge thing yeah. that they kind of, you know, officially endorsed as well. Um, yeah. So, so <clears throat> it's so funny because I had it up on my screen and that's what I wanted to talk about. Like I would say out of any company in the entire world in the space of video games, that if I said, what's the closest to Nintendo in terms of how they operate, I'd say Valve. Now, if you actually look through what they do, at times, it's the complete opposite. Like, Nintendo, like, think about this, Black Mesa, it was like, I think they worked on it for, like, 10 or 15 years, and then, you know, once Valve fully caught wind of it, they actually worked with them, and it's on the Steam store, and it's actually incorporated in sometimes the Valve collections, and it's a fan-made reimagining of Half-Life. And yeah, you have to buy it on the store. It's like about 30 bucks Australian on, on Steam. Like that is like the complete opposite of what Nintendo would do. They'd do a cease and desist and shut down the project. <laughs> it's just interesting. But I do think that those two companies are quite similar in the same way of like, they just do things that are a bit out of the box and keep you guessing. So it, it's pretty cool, hey? Yeah, I I'm, I really enjoyed playing the first Left 4 Dead. Um, played it a bunch that game got terrifying at times on the harder difficulties. Um, and the reason I never got into Left 4 Dead 2 was, first of all, it came so quickly after the first one. Um, yeah. So I felt like I hadn't even played enough of the first one um, before they announced the second one. And then you had the whole business with them doing the ridiculous censoring in for this yeah. the game. That just... That's one of the reason why I never got never played it, and I know that there's uh, probably versions out there that I can play now that you know don't have that there, whether or not it's Steam or otherwise. But it was so that's the reason I never got into it. But I'd heard by all accounts that Left 4 Dead 2 was was a much better game than the first one. Um, so I think it's really great that this update. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, like the only reason why I really haven't played Left 4 Dead is because I feel like you need to have mates to play it, it who are keen to play it, it right? <laughs> no, you know, I'm just saying, like, rather than randos or, you know, or just, like, bots or whatever, like, it's it just so much... Like, that's part of the, the whole point of the game. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, like, I don't know, maybe I'll try to wrangle some people up tonight to see if you can play it, because it is free at the moment, uh, and that includes the new update as well, so... But no, no, it's really cool. I, I love how Valve does this kind of stuff. Like, it, it's so cool. Like, and I just, the one thing about Valve is I just wish that they got back into the swing of making games again. Because 
feels like, you know, we're missing that massive AAA publisher developer out there that they generally could, you know, like I'm super keen to play Half-Life for Alex. It's just, you know, the setup is just so extreme in Australia, you know, like, you know, I, I wish that I could rent the Valve Index or something like that. Oh. It's kind of maybe a bit nasty to rent yeah, VR equipment. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I really want to play it, but what, like, how are you going to play it, dude? Like, in Australia, to get a Valve Index, it's like two grand, something like that. Like, that's just insane. Like, that's never going to happen. But yeah, it's just this experience that I really want to play, and I just, you know, haven't had a chance. So, yeah, no, this is really cool. Did you, uh, um, sorry, on Half-Life Alex, did you ever see the video of the guy that climbed to the top of the Citadel in the VR? No. Oh, it was so good. He spent ages, like, doing the teleport thing, and he got he climbed all the way up into the clouds and the Citadel in the background. It was, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, the, like it, it's it seems like a really cool game, and like people genuinely like loved it. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if they ever do try to translate it into just a regular style game. I know that like it's so core to the experience, the VR part of it. So probably never, but yeah, it, it just seems a shame. Like maybe if it comes to PSVR two, like with PlayStation Five, like that would be awesome. That's probably the way that I would play it if uh, if they do that when PSVR 2 gets announced and kind of comes along, oh, which seems inevitable now. Surely when Sony buy Valve, that'll happen. <laughs> well, it could be Valve buying Sony, maybe. <laughs> and then <laughs> turning into the PlayStation uh, Steam box. Because <laughs> I think uh, Valve might even be a bigger company than Sony. Uh, and then in other niche news, Simu. Uh, so Simu, and I wanted to bring this up, not just because like there was an update. So there was an update to it, version 1.21.2. Um, and, and just the way that they work, they have a very strong Patreon backing. So they release it to their Patreon members and then a week later to the public. So this version is available to the public. And there's been a whole host of changes around um, how uh, the shader modules are compiled. So it actually allows for asynchronous compilation. So like multi-threaded compilation. And that's quite critical because what it means is you can distribute the work across your graphics card. And it means the games are much more responsive. Um, and there's just other been uh, further improvements. Like they've got uh, integer texture samplers now. So just like they're constantly chipping away at it. But I, I just wanted to raise this because we haven't mentioned Simu before, but it is so incredible to me that, you know, I remember that for a time period, you know, with like being really into emulation and then it's like, there's not really a good PlayStation or PlayStation 2 emulator, even 64. And then to me, the fact that there's a insanely good, like you pretty much can play any Wii U game on the PC is just so mind blowing to me. And thank you. Just I was clear, waiting for you to say what platform. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, yeah, where you, where you, this discussion by searching <laughs> is going to know, but anyone that's listening to the full podcast, uh, is just going to be like, what, the <laughs> what is this? What, what is it? What is it emulating? <laughs> and, and, you know, a couple of things off the bat, like don't ask us for ROMs, don't ask us for anything like that. We'll just delete those comments. Um, and you know, like I own Zelda multiple times over. So do you, you own the Wii U and the state and the switch version. Um, for me, like what is really interesting is that, you know, there's all these mods and hacks and things you can do with Zelda. And we've even got on our YouTube channel, a video playing in the background, you know, like you can get like ray tracing working in Zelda 
And the way that Zelda looks, like they've got it up to 4K now. It looks like insane. It looks so awesome. Like all the bones of that game are there. It's for when, you know, there is a more powerful Nintendo system. They're going to re-release it, of course. It's such a massive game. And honestly, like I was playing through Zelda and then I also played Hyrule Warriors as well, just given my recent passion for that game. And it does make me go, oh man, I like, I know, even though I've spent, I think, 270 hours in Breath of the Wild, which is a lot for me because I don't have that much time, you know, when they do have a new revision of the Switch or something like that, I'm just going to end up going back and playing through that game from scratch again. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's just it's just wild that there's like an emulator and it's been around for ages as well. Like, that's the interesting thing. Like, it was out even when the Wii U was out. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's really you know, quite advanced. And I think a big part of it is that, you know, a lot of the modern consoles actually use hardware that's more comparable to modern PCs. Whereas back in the day with the 64, it was so bespoke, the type of chips that they use, that it's actually hard to emulate. Even 64 emulation isn't that great even today um, compared to even, I'd say, Simu. So yeah, I just wanted to mention it. I'm probably not going to mention every single update because they do update it frequently, but yeah, you can play Breath of the Wild with so many hacks and obviously uh, have the real sort of version of that game uh, in your library. But, you know, it's really cool to play it and it just gives you a different way to experience some of these games and sort of just a different look. And, you know, especially a game like that, it's quite visually appealing. So is that something you've ever like booted up, any of these modern emulators? 100% not. Um, <laughs> so, oh, really? Yeah, the I think the only reason I'd ever go down that route myself is if there's a game that, let's say is only released in Japan and I really want to play. Um, ah, okay. No chance of it ever coming to, you know, outside Japan and I don't have a means of importing it or playing it or there's a, you know, language barrier or whatever. Language barrier would obviously still exist, but then I haven't spent $200 to import it um, to try it. Yeah. Back, you know, so, um, but it is cool. I'm, <laughs> there's a part of me, it's like, hmm, is there a way to like, uh, are there quality of life, to me, quality of life hacks for Breath of the Wild. It takes that parts of it that I don't like out of it. Um, like what? Well, like I know, like we're going to dedicate an entire episode to why you dislike that game. But, oh, like what? What would be one thing? I, I don't like the inventory management. Don't like the uh, weapons breaking. Don't like any of that. Oh, okay. okay. Never. Yeah, they're, they're fundamental. Never <laughs> been a thing in uh, Zelda up to that point. So, um, but it's good. Uh, hopefully, it fixes the frame rate problems as well. So. No, well, yeah, and, and that's kind of, okay, so, like, for me, you know, and I think I said this in the last podcast, but, like, back in the day when I didn't have as much cash, I did emulate games to be able to play games, and I'm not in that position now, which is fortunate, but I, I don't really ever play these games as the only way to play it. Like, I've got a Wii U. Um, like, that's actually how I play some of these games. Like, that's how I tried out Hyrule Warriors, but, you know, with this it's more about like you know the mods that you can do to games like breath of the wild that just to me is so cool and yeah they've got it running and they've hacked it so that you can run it at 60 frames a second and it and like 4k 60 frames a second it just looks like incredible man it just like it just shows you like if it was a hypothetical you know xbox or playstation game it would just look bonkers like just one of those ones would just be instantly game of the year wouldn't even be a debate for people i think um, so that's normally like why I'm using these ones or, you know, there's, there's, you know, mods and patches and translations that they do that you just can't get on the consoles themselves, uh, that just sort of make it a bit more interesting. 
And uh, let's move to my favorite segment, the bargain bin. Right, you always say, that. Uh, why, why is it your favorite segment? You've never quite- <laughs> Hey, because it's getting games for free. Like, we love games. And getting games for free or in discount, it's the most important thing to maintain this habit. So you're saying <laughs> it's your favorite segment because you're a tight ass. <laughs> Partly, but it's also, it's just a bit of a meme that I'm just seeing if you pick up on <laughs> over time. I, I listen to it every week. Uh, so uh, as we normally do, we kick off with uh, Epic Game Store, just given that they are reliable delivery of free games for us. Um, so this week, there were no surprises. Uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 is uh, free this week, so jump in and get that. And then next week, it's uh, Pikuniku. Is that, am I saying that right? Pikuniku? Uh, Pikuniku, yeah. I, I don't know much about this game. So that's uh, free next week. And I, and one thing on the Epic Game Store, they're really pushing Rocket League. So it's even to the point where you can get a 15 Australian dollar voucher if you just install Rocket League from Epic Game Store and then apply it to a game that's like, $23 so effectively whatever $23 games out there or more that, that'd that be like a $7 game and it's kind of just by installing Rocket League a part of me that's annoyed at myself because I own that game just like you um, I own it on Switch PC and I own it on Xbox which is where I mainly play yeah. but I never even launched the PC version out of Steam and I'm like oh man I should, <laughs> I should. why did I buy it I didn't need it now I don't now it's all free damn it no, but I, okay, I'll, I'll make one argument because, you know, as you know, I'm a big, big, big Rocket League fan. With PC and Steam, and this isn't the case so far with Epic, with Steam, I like it on Steam because they have the workshop and the mods. So I use them because it allows you to do training packs and lots of different things you can't do on consoles to practice skills. So like that whole side of it, like there's a lot of stuff out there that you're probably not aware of that's actually really, really cool. So you can only do that so far with the Steam version. So I would always want the Steam version. Maybe eventually when the Epic stuff. But it is funny that you haven't even booted it up. It's a bit of a shame. <laughs> and you've got a mad PC as well. So yeah, it, it, you should play it on PC. I don't know why you don't. It's all unified now. So it's like one Rocket Pass or Rocket ID, sorry, I should say, uh, across all the platforms. Yeah. But you do need to nominate your primary platform. I uh, I play way too many games as it is. I'm not about to add something else to the mix. <laughs> Uh, and then do you want to cover your highlights for Nintendo Switch? Yeah, just as usual, every now and then I'll look at the Switch store and just point out some games that I think are a great deal. Um, so the first one is Dragon's Dogma, Dark Arisen. So that includes a Dark Arisen uh, expansion. That is uh, half price, 50% off. Uh, there's four days left of that as of uh, Sunday. Um, all Final Fantasy games, or at least the mainline games uh, from 7, 8, 9, and 10, are 50% off as well, so there's three days left for that. Um, that's, I mean, those games are worth it at full price, so that's that's obviously also a great deal. And the last highlight I've got is Mark of the Ninja, which I'll always recommend to people. Um, that's, and I think it's the remastered version as well, that's 75% off and that's got three days left as of Sunday as well. Yeah, and I know that this is in our run sheet, but there's a lot of deals because of um, Tokyo Game Show, and obviously uh, Nintendo and Play and Sony being Japanese companies, they usually do deals around Tokyo Game Show. So yeah, that's why like we're seeing a lot of discounts on these uh, Japanese based or from Japan games. I probably just want to call out because it's interesting to me that Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate, which is on Switch, that's actually on sale at the moment. So that's like about seventy percent off. I did see that. So it's about twenty five bucks. I just had played. Yeah, no. 
when I'm doing these things, I'm kind of like recommending games that I that I know are going to be good. I'm not sure the how that game is. So. Yeah, I've heard good things about it, and to me, it's like you know, it, it, I I didn't disclose this earlier, but I actually fired up my 3ds because I've got uh, Monster Hunter Four and Stories on 3ds. So I was actually going to start playing through them a little bit just to see what they're like. Actually, but now I'm almost keen to get Monster Hunter Generation. I've actually got a Monster Hunter game on 3DS I've never used as well. So I'll have to check which one that is, if it's the same one. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually like, yeah, I, I don't know. I've got to have to think about it. I mean, it has been on sale quite a few times. But yeah, yeah, that's another one to call out, just given all the Monster Hunter stuff that's coming out. And just on PlayStation, again, just because, you know, they've got the Japanese sales, they've got a, a whole sale uh, called uh, Big in Japan. And for me, at least, like, the biggest call-outs is just, like, Tekken 7, which is, like, 80% off. And then Resident Evil 2 and 3 are both 50% off. But there's a whole host of games that are on sale, and all the Final Fantasies, similar to Switch, uh, on sale as well. So it's worthwhile to check out, you know, if there's any, uh, uh, you know, sort of Japanese-based games that you'd be keen on, because there's a lot of sales at the moment around that. And just on uh, Xbox, there's uh, some big news this week, I guess. Yeah, so first of all, just the titles that um, have been added already and are available now. Uh, Destiny 2, which is obviously a huge game, uh, plus all the add-ons are on uh, Xbox Game Pass uh, for console. Like all the DLC? Yes, apparently. They oh, really? All the additional content, yes. Oh, wow. The thing with Destiny 2, it's very difficult to not do that because a lot of that stuff kind of bleeds into what the current events are they also yeah of course they remove yeah. older content so it's kind of yeah it's tricky to just say oh the base game is available um but yeah it's sneaky when they do that in a way because you're 100 percent right if you don't have the dlc you're not really playing the game like that everyone else is yeah specifically for these live service games um oh that's pretty i didn't know that that's pretty cool actually um, so Night of the Woods. I might get Game Pass. <laughs> Night of the Woods, um, <laughs> very, very uh, critically claimed um, narrative mm. style game, is available on Xbox as well, Game Pass. Uh, Warhammer Vermintide 2, which is great. Uh, any co-op games that are added to Game Pass is fantastic. Um, that's on Xbox um, because it's just great. Anyone, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, we've got Game Pass we can just download this co-op game and play it. You know, that's already, I've already played mm. quite a bit. It's just really good to have more co-op games on there. And on PC, there's an adventure, point-click adventure title called Kathy Rain that's on, added to Game Pass. And coming in a couple of days is the big hitter, Doom Eternal is oh, hitting crazy. console Game Pass. Not PC yet. That's so crazy. They've said that the it should be added to PC Game Pass later in the year. So there's not many months left, so I don't know how, when that's going to be. But yeah, Doom Eternal, like that's such a recent release that I'm like, mm, there's part of me that's like, do I need to play the first one before I pick up Doom Eternal? No, I'm like, oh. no, you don't, you don't. But so you haven't played Doom 2016? No, no, I just haven't got around to it. The only I've played, yeah. I played the demo of it, but and I own the game after that, but I haven't actually gone to play the full game. Um, yeah. But, so i mean this is a rare occasion where i've actually played a game that you haven't um so i've played through doom a couple of times actually like that game doom 2016 that game is just so incredible and everything i've seen about doom eternal i'm so glad what they did like as opposed to you know just to give the parallel around the id versions like doom came out doom wasn't that big of a hit because it also wasn't available in a lot of stores Whereas Doom 2, when that came out, that actually came out of retail and it came out very shortly after Doom 1. Whereas with this, 
Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal, in a weird way, they're kind of very different games. Like the way they play and the way they, they make you interact. Like the element around Doom Eternal and the mechanisms around the, the armor and like how you attack the enemies and what they drop, it's actually kind of a bit different to Doom 2016. And, you know, like overall same vein, but there's like quite strong differences between the two games and you don't need to play doom 2016 to play doom eternal i'm actually super jealous man because i've been really keen to get doom eternal but again just waiting for the right price to get into it um and then when you ask on game pass and then specifically pc game plus later i'm like damn that is just so compelling i mean doom eternal i don't think it will be but it could genuinely be game of the year like, it's not laughable to be in that conversation. And for that to just come out on that service, that's that's awesome. Well, and you think permanently, right? Like, I can't imagine they're going to take it off. Well, we don't know. Because the reason being is that um, any game that was, like, obviously released prior to the acquisition, we don't know the licensing arrangements or for all that stuff. But anything after what do you mean? that... Well, just... I just don't know. That's what I'm saying. We don't know 100%. There's a very good chance it will stay on. Um, we just don't yeah. know. So one, in that vein, we actually had, interestingly, so Dishonored 2 was set to be removed <laughs> the 30th of, of September. But And we should just mention that this is within the, uh, the, uh, the what, what's it called? The Zenimax universe yes, of IP. In the same yeah, way, sorry. I was getting to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, sorry, I didn't know if you were going to mention that. I thought it was quite critical oh, at okay. the start. Sorry. So, has been... Simu is a Wii U emulator, by the way. Thank you. Go on, go on. So, one or two from Arcane Studios, who are by Zenimax Media, who's been purchased Oh, beautiful, by beautiful. Um, the game's been currently removed from like the official leaving Game Pass lists. Oh, has it? Maybe interesting. Stayed, but we don't interesting. know. So, interesting. I'd also read somewhere that maybe Arkham Knight outstood its time a little bit as well. So, it's probably mm. that just could be just complete, complete coincidence that that happened. But, uh, it's yeah, it was meant to leave on the 30th. So, if you haven't finished that game and you want to, then you only have a couple of days left anyway, if it does leave. So, don't, don't obviously play it safe. And I just wanted to sort of, um, I, we should have touched on it earlier when we we're chatting about um, Bethesda, but, you know, just looking at Doom Eternal and the back catalogue, like, how do you think they're going to release the back catalogue of, of Zenimax games? Well, I mean, they'll obviously just, they'll just spread them out because it, they they have monthly announcements. So, you know, you might have a Bethesda game crop up in that list every now and then. Um, I'd love to see on Game Pass PC if they actually add things like Morrowind and stuff. That'd be awesome. Um, oh, they definitely will, right? Well, I don't know. I don't know anything about the publishing arrangements around these games. So, you know, like, you got to remember, Bethesda, around that time of Morrowind, they weren't a huge publishing giant. Um, mm. So there's possible things that they need to factor in. But that would be great to be able to play... Uh, Morrowind. I've got a copy of Morrowind, but it's on DVD, so I don't have a DVD drive in this PC. So it's like, ah, I'd love a way to play that. Um, I guess I could just get it off. I probably already have it on Steam if it's on there, but yeah. I think from my recollection, I actually have it on... I think I have it from uh, Bethesda. I think they gave it away for free for like a day or something like that. 
Like whenever there's those type of freebies, I always try to jump on it. Oh, so I think I have Morrowind. <laughs> You're not surprised about that. I actually, from memory, I think I actually even installed it and like, yeah, yeah, so I do have it. Yeah, yeah. I remember I actually played it a little bit and I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of cool. So, yeah, I think that's definitely coming to Game Pass. Um, and I, I think you're spot on. I think they're going to, on a monthly or every other month basis, go, you know, like, and, and they've probably mapped it already out. It's like, when do we want to do Skyrim? You know, when do we want to put that on it? Because that's going to be big news. Is it, you know what I mean? Because there's already a whole bunch of their games already on Game Pass, like Wolfenstein. Uh, just yeah, that's a shame. That stuff. <laughs> so, but anyway. <laughs> I was wondering if, like, because <clears throat> supposedly this this deal only started to get really discussed in uh, July, around July period. So it's not that long ago. That, that's incredible, incredibly quick for, like, an M&A deal. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, I do wonder if they were starting to think, mm, maybe we should kick some of these titles off so then we have the ability to put them back on and then get some buzz out of it. <laughs> so, but they're not as cynical as, uh, you know, I think I would be. Uh, Xbox. So, yeah, no, huge news in Xbox again. I feel like every time we talk about this, you know, there's a good week for Sony for every three good weeks that you have for Xbox and the news there. Just wait for that. But, um, acquisition, just wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, just given that we've had uh, Super Mario 3D World come out and just that like, when we record, you know, I played it a little bit and you played it a lot more so, since. Super Mario um, All Stars. Yes, sorry, Super Mario 3D All-Stars. So, Just want to make sure we can't travel in time to January. Why don't we get yeah your impressions of uh, Super Mario 3D All-Stars? So I, like, and just the context is, I played it a bit on the day, but it's a bit of a Christmas present for me, so I sort of packed it away, so I haven't played it since, and I won't play it again till Christmas. But I thought, yeah, let's get your thoughts on it. So, yeah, so I won't say I've put a ton of time into it. I've probably completed the first three or so uh worlds of mario 64 with the exception of the ones that like require the uh you know the wing cap which i haven't got yet things like that put a bunch of time into mario sunshine as well got to like the fourth area of that but that game's a lot more open than 64 so it's like mm. 64 is kind of a little bit more linear at the start whereas sunshine kind of says after you get the first shine it pops up another thing straight away you can go there and mm. uh, Galaxy is the one I put the least time into because um, I didn't want to rush that because that's the game that I play haven't played through properly. So I've only done kind of like the first, like the tutorial world and the first, uh, I guess, uh, Galaxy after that. Um, but what I wanted to do was just play each one enough to the point where I can at least talk about what what the collection does or doesn't do and my take. Yeah. So last week we talked about, um, you had a, a great segment about why the fact that these games are emulated is actually a good thing. Mm. And it's, these are honestly great versions of the games to play. Um, you know, they've, we've, I'll say we're very minor tweaks, but you, when you're, when I'm playing Mario 64, it's not like I'm going, this is a bad way to play Mario 64. It's, it's very faithful. They've obviously done some upgrades to the texture work. Um, mm. things like that but from the overall package standpoint and none of this is a surprise we talked about it and everyone kind of knows at this point that it's it's so bare bones that it's almost ridiculous it's there's <laughs> nothing to it They're, 
I swear the the Switch Online NES and SNES apps have more bells and whistles than what these games do. Yeah, they do, don't they? Yeah, and that's true. It's interesting because it's the same like people that actually handle that as well, so mm. it's a direct comparison. And I can't help but compare this to the first Mario Stars, which is you know such a it's ingrained in my childhood. You know, we've talked about it a lot when when all those Mario announcements happened, mm. and. I won't say that those games were filled with bells and whistles. First of all, Super Nintendo, you know, there's like the scope of what a Super Nintendo game is versus a modern day game is very different. But it, you at least got the graphical update, right? Which, give or take, is a good thing or not, is up to you. But even the way that the menu was, the menu had charm, it had character. It felt yeah. like this, yeah, yeah. this is Mario, this is a collection of Mario with the the way that they display everything when you boot the game up in 3D All-Stars, it feels so clinical and so just... It doesn't feel like Mario. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, like... And sorry to jump in, because like I'll only chat about the bit that I played, which is like just the start of each game and the menu system. But I, I was the same as you, and it didn't... You know how the other week when I was talking about Hyrule Warriors and, you know, couched around the idea that I actually love that game but it doesn't feel like a Nintendo game and it doesn't feel like Zelda really. It feels a bit like, a bit like a, you know, a knockoff almost like that's a bit insulting. I don't mean it like that, but it, it feels a little bit counterfeit. And this just felt like not, didn't feel like Nintendo. It, it's so brutally min- minimalistic. It almost feels like what would have happened if Nintendo went under and someone bought the publishing rights and created a click. Yeah. That's such a good way to say it. That is so good. That is a hundred percent right, dude. This is like Activision Blizzard. Yeah, <laughs> gets the IP and then they just go, "We're going to put a collection of three games that are basically ROMs with some stuff around it to make it work." And uh, I, that's like, good. The three sixty PS three era. That's when we started to see a lot of these. Uh, classic games come back, a lot of classic game collections. Like, uh, PC had game collections for a long time, don't get me wrong, and the NES did as well, but this, the 360 PS3 era is when we started seeing all the digital clips games, the Konami ports, the, um, you know, where they would start throwing in some artwork and start throwing in some special features, but the bare minimum, you know, for game, for Mario 3D, which is 4x3, you know, they haven't upgraded it 16x9, Mm. there's not even an option to set some kind of artwork or color on the side of the screen. It's so bare bones. That's easy enough <laughs> that, you know, without touching the game itself. We talked about the way that, you know, they're using technology to almost inject these new assets into the games, which is, mm. um, you know, creating like wrappers on the side so that you're just not looking at blank things. Like just, you know, I don't care so much about it, but it just feels half-assed, honestly. And again, like, I know that we're talking about the past a little bit, but, you know, from a Nintendo point of view and what they're all about, like, look at the Super Game Boy. Exactly. You know, I I don't know if everyone, well, like, definitely the audience is a bit younger. So, you know, the Game Boy, the resolution of that was like 160 by like 120 or something like that, or 140. Um, And it was different ratio and different pixels than a SNES. So you're going to have like a box and if you stretch it out, it's not going to work. So they had these beautiful like borders that you could have. And it was like sometimes custom borders, like with Donkey Kong 94. Like that's the type of thing I'd expect from Nintendo, that kind of passionate, you know, all these little touches that they just put that charm on. And with this, they just sort of said effort. Like, you know, your whole point, like, I love that point. 
it feels like someone's taken over the IPs or, you know, Nintendo's gone under and they're going, well, these three games are going to sell. Let's just whack them together and spend 20 grand to get the whole package out there. Yeah, it's it's almost soulless, you know? Yeah, it kind of but is, yeah. Not- I, I totally agree with that. And even look, like, it's kind of, this is really stretching it, but looking at the box art, which I've got in my hand right now, I swear Mario All-Stars just looked so much more magical on the SNES. If you had, like, you know, like the big star and then Mario, had, I think, had a top hat on and stuff, it just felt much more like, hey, this is a celebration of Mario. This feels like, hey, we need to release these three games quick. <laughs> well, you know, so it's not our version. So in Australia, um, we don't need to put the rating of the game on the actual uh, cart. Uh, or like, what do they call these? They don't even call them carts, do they? I can't remember what they call them uh, for the Switch. I have no idea. But um, in I think it's either in the States or Europe, they have to put the rating on it. And they haven't even bothered like thinking about the artwork or how it should look. All they've done is they've shifted the Super Mario 3D All-Stars logo to the right, like out of the way of the of the rating. And it just looks... It just looks like a high school student who's learnt how to use Photoshop and gone, oh, don't know what to do here. I'll just put it to the to the side. You know, there's no creativity or anything. Okay. Yeah, like, you know, your point around it being soulless, unfortunately, dude, like, I'd have to say the same, man. Like, this thing, I was so amped about this. And, and you know, when you get to your conclusion, I want to also weigh in, but it, it's... I totally understand why people were disappointed with this package. Yeah, and I'll dig a little bit deeper into the actual way they've treated the games themselves now. So with Mario uh, 64, um, I still love that game. There's been a lot of people talking on around the internet like, oh, the game hasn't aged so well, things like that, from the design standpoint, and I don't agree with that. I also can't see it from the perspective of a new player, so that's difficult. Yeah. But I'm saying this to the people that played it back in the day. Um, I still think it it holds up really well. But the biggest problem for me is the camera control. And it's... I know that camera control in 64, the original, was rough, right? I'm not saying that it's any worse, but if there was one thing that they could have done to this game, you know... Outside of making the game look like a remaster or make it 16 by 9 is do something about... You've now got to stick to use the camera and to essentially limit it to the exact same way it worked on the C buttons. With the C buttons, at least it felt a bit more natural when you were pressing the C button to turn around Mario with, I guess, Lacquer 2 with the camera and where he wouldn't go any further around. So it's like you hit the wall and then you have to go back the other way. But suddenly when you move that to a stick, it feels so limiting. It feels so weird. Um, where I'm also almost wishing for the C buttons back playing it. That which Yeah, yeah, I think you're right, you know, and you know, people probably don't understand or who are not aware of it with the sixty four controller, it only had one analog stick, which was in the middle. So, you know, that whole concept of having an analog stick to manipulate a camera just wasn't in the industry for consoles at the time. Um, and yeah, you had the buttons to be able to move the camera to the left and right. And it, I still argue that it felt kind of natural and it still does. If you're using a 64, I've played Mario 64 on the 64 recently. It still feels fine, but I think you're right. When you move it to a stick, your whole brain goes back to the, like now what you've been trained. Yeah. 
of like how you move the camera and it does feel quite odd. And I've had mates who've played it who didn't play Mario 64 and it's been kind of sad to me, but they're sort of like, oh, this game's just unplayable. I was like, wow, okay, like that's full on, like, and they didn't play it. So, you know, I think that's the proof in the pudding is how it's aged. For me, it feels fine, but I guess, you know, they don't have that muscle memory of how it worked. Yeah, and the other thing for me is we know that they haven't done much to these games at all. But what I what I would have loved more so than a, a, a visual touch-up is just imagine how great it would have been if you had leaderboards for the stars. You know, being able to... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Win, with your yeah. friends list, to be able to say, okay... Speed running and stuff like that, yeah. Just basically leaderboards around this stuff. Like, how good would that have been? And I know that that's far in excess of what they would have done to this, but that's just, man, so many missed opportunities. And that's not that hard to do, I don't think. Like, I'm just trying to think through it now on the spot. Like, I don't think that that's that hard to do, to be honest, compared to some of the other stuff that we're talking about. Yeah, but the thing with Mario 64 as well, and this is actually not the problem with the game, the game, I've just played that game so much that it just feels so easy now that I almost picture oh, that there was, you know, maybe when they do a proper remaster of it, which they'll probably do eventually, um, is I'd love to see like a Master Quest style mode with Mario 64 where they mix things up or there's it's like a harder mode. Because honestly, mm. just once you know all the shortcuts and the ways to like get stars using triple jumps and things like that, it's just, it's so easy for me now that I kind of wish there was more. But that's not a thing of the game. That's just, that's personal to the player and your experience with it. And with... Yeah. And, and before you move on from 64, it's like, I, I'm totally in the same camp as you. And it's ultimately kind of just a bit sad and disappointing that it didn't get a remake. Or, you know what I mean by that? Like, you know, they've really just opened up the whole game and rethought it. And you know, like in the, in the vein of some other remakes that you're seeing recently, because I feel like the opportunity to do it now, like you probably need to wait another 10 years or something, or, you know, what is it like 96 when it came out, like maybe in four years time or six years time or whatever it is, you know, when it's like the 30th anniversary of it or something like that. Cause it just, it seemed bizarre now if they released a remake first Mario 64 within the next three to four years don't you think oh yeah I don't... just given that this has come out you know yeah no it would be well in the future when I when I said that yeah but it's kind of sad though you know just given Odyssey I feel like the bones of Odyssey is just so great I just was praying that they would remake it in Odyssey's engine and do a few things exactly what you're saying like you know have a new world or something like that like it'd just be amazing I reckon yeah and with Mario Sunshine, so I booted that up. Um, I am a big fan of Mario Sunshine, but the game does, definitely has its flaws. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, but they've done a great job with Sunshine. Um, so it's they they had a tricky task with um, the controls about how to handle um, the, I guess, transpose the GameCube um, analog uh, trigger, which still was weird to me that they didn't even add GameCube support, but whatever. Like freaking, they've obviously they've they've just chosen to avoid that. Um, but it's actually not too bad. So the way it works is that you um, use the I think it's uh, ZR, so the one at the back, the bigger one, to essentially do the run and spray, like which I yeah call the regular, the equivalent of the GameCube when you're just holding it like slightly down. 
And then when you click it all the way in the GameCube, they've put that on the R button, which is when Mario stops on the spot and then you can control, you know, vertically in every direction. And honestly, you know, it didn't take long to actually adjust to that. I think it would have been diff- a difficult task to somehow do that on the same button. So I think the fact that they split it between the two actually makes sense. Um, it is, with Mario Sunshine's controls, there is a learning period at the beginning anyway. But once I got used to it and remind myself exactly how you kind of, you know, swap in between the nozzles and everything, I got used to it again and it just felt like I was playing it on the GameCube. But yeah, I never thought that that would be that big of a deal. You know, when everyone's like, you can't get this across because it doesn't have analog triggers. It's like, I don't really think that's going to be a problem. But the the game looks really good. Um, it looks super crisp. The I guess the sprite textures, like the HUD and things like that are really good. But the problem I have visually with the game is, um, so Mario Sunshine always had this heat wave effect that was going on. And for some reason, it's it seems so much more prominent in this, maybe because of resolution upgrade. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So much more like in your face and almost makes your eyes hurt sometimes. So it's really weird because that I never had a problem with that effect at all playing in the GameCube on a CRT. So correct, yeah, that one's that's a little rough, but I think they have done a great job with with Mario Sunshine. I don't know if exactly the limitations of what they could and couldn't do with that whole emulated way to do this game, but not even changing, you know, like the GameCube buttons in the like HUD and stuff is a little lazy, definitely. Um, yeah, I was surprised about that. It's not not a deal break or anything, but it's like it just feels lazy, like. Something something you'd see like a B game do when it's ported from yeah. Xbox to PlayStation and they've left the Xbox button. <laughs> exactly. And exactly what you're saying, your overriding point that it's like someone's taken, you know, Nintendo from bankruptcy or something yeah. and just released this. Because, you know, when I saw the footage of that and that was the official Nintendo footage, I was like, oh, wow, like you might be able to use a GameCube controller just natively. Yeah. Because why would they leave the, the GameCube sized buttons in there they just wouldn't do that that's not a nintendo thing to do i've never seen them do something like that yeah. until this so i'd definitely say murray sunshine um it's it i'd say it is the best way to play this game i just hope that that heat wave effect either you get used to it or it's less prominent in the later worlds if it stays exactly like that then maybe it's not the best way i don't know it's but other than that and i think they've done a good job and with Murray Galaxy, um, as I said, I only played the very early um, parts of the game. So I did play that on, on the Wii, um, but only for about three or four hours. Um, so my memory of exactly, you know, how the game plays with the, you know, the Wii remote and the nunchuck is still a little hazy on that. But I, you know, first of all, it, it looks great. Um, you know, they've, they've done a good job. I think it went from, what, 720 to 1080 or something, didn't they? Um, yeah, but how, how, no, no, much more than that. It was like 480 on the Wii. Oh, okay. But this game looks so good to the point where I'm like, this just looks like a really good Switch game. Yeah, the, it is from an era when, I can't remember the term, when they you had like the lighting around the character. I forget the name of it. Um, it's like Mario's Bloom. Brain. Yeah, Bloom effect around Mario. I'm not a yeah. fan of that because it was, that was definitely a way to kind of make things look a bit nicer also on the mm. on, on the Wii. But, I mean, in the, the terms of it being in the galaxy, it does make him look a bit more ethereal and stuff. I'm not a super fan yeah. of that, but the game runs nice and everything. And I was 
kind of shocked. So I was playing with the pro controller. They've done a pretty good job at getting the pointer control yeah. in. Like, I was actually really surprised. Yeah, but it feels like they've spent the most amount of work on this game. Like, as I said last week, they've actually done a lot to get this game working, like recompiled the game and done a whole host of things to get it to run quite smoothly. Um, I, I definitely think that out of the ones that I've played and all the footage I've seen, this one's the most impressive. And it feels like very, very, very much the definitive way to play the, this game. Yeah, I'm not sure how, um, you know, I'm not using Joy-Cons, but I know that the pointer does get used in some like fairly tense um, platforming sections later in the game. So I'm hoping that that isn't too awkward with the Pro Controller. Um, but just using it to collect star bits and things like that is fine. Mm. Um, there is a part of me, and I know that I haven't played through the whole game, but I've seen a lot of what happens in the game. I, this stupid part of me that wishes is like an alternate version of this game that has no zero motion controls, but it's pretty integral to it. I, I know it's just like that part of me. <laughs> yeah. like, it's like Skyward Sword. Yeah, Scott. Because we're, we're gonna have you, you know we're gonna have this conversation next year with the Zelda 35th anniversary, and it feels almost inevitable they're gonna release Skyward Sword. Skyward Sword was even more so because it used Wii Motion Plus. Like that was so yeah, cool. correct. But yeah, that's I guess overall look, I'm. I'm happy to have another way to play these games. Mm. I just do wish it wasn't such a bare bones effort from uh, from Nintendo. Like just and just something something more to it. I don't know. I think it just feels a bit hollow. And honestly, it's like what seventy nine dollars or something over here, wasn't it? Like, yes, yeah. yeah, I got it for like sixty nine. I don't know from a value proposition for the consumer if it's actually worth that amount. I'd say... Oh, really? I'd say, Damn. to me, as a consumer, I'd be much more comfortable paying something like $50 for this. But obviously, Nintendo can sell it for 80 So they're from, from that yeah. part of things, it makes sense. But as me, yeah, I and feel look, a bit of a... Maybe it should have been a bit cheaper for me. Yeah, it's one of those really weird ones where it's like... Is it a fair proposition? Now, I'd definitely say it's not a fair proposition. Just on the simple logic that... Because all these games... You know, it's kind of funny how people are talking about this. Like, all of these games, barring Sunshine, were on Wii U. Uh, and Mario 64 has been re-released on a lot of different things. Like, it's on the Wii, Wii and Wii U. Um, so, it's been on pretty much everything that they've had since um, uh, the 64, apart from the GameCube. But... You know, if you look at how much they sold them for and everything like that, it's definitely like a ripoff in that in that sense. The thing that I don't understand, though, and I'd, I want to get your thoughts on it and want how you see it. Like, for me, you know, if I had to rate this game, so we're not like a reviews podcast, really, or like sort of outfit, but I, I think, like, to me, it's kind of almost wrong to review this anything less than, you know, on a 10-point scale for me. I feel like the the lowest you could ever put this package as nine out of ten, because you know, for Super Mario sixty four, Mario sixty four, I could easily mount an argument to say this is the most important video game of all time. I could easily mount that argument with Galaxy, you know, and I haven't played a lot of it. I played a bit of it. I understand that as like you know a lot of people's favorite game of all time, you know. So those two games just by themselves, like for a lot of people are like some of the most important games you'd ever have. Right. And then to have them all in a package, I just personally don't see how you could arrive at a conclusion where you go, 
I'm going to rate this five out of 10 or six out of 10 because it's so bare bones and, you know, it's so stripped back, which it all is. Like, I'm not saying it's not, but I feel like I just cannot fathom how you can't say, but overall, yes, this is like a nine out of 10 because these games still hold up and they're still so playable and still so good. Like, if you had to put it on that 10-point scale, where would you land? Oh, that's tough, because, yeah. But let, let, let's just say that we, you know, we were given a code for this game, we have to review it. What would you give it? I don't know. I'd probably hover around an 8 out of 10 at the moment. And, really? And- so you dock it two points. I mean, let's be real. You're docking it two points from the package, right? Well, first of all, I would never give any of the, those games 10 out of 10 by themselves anyway. So What? Uh, really? Not 10 out of 10. Damn. Nine out of 10, maybe, but yeah. Um, (laughs) Really? You wouldn't give 64 or Galaxy a 10 out of 10? Wow. Um, Okay, interesting. So Interesting. But, I mean, you know, I love the games, but they're not in my top games of all times. Well, I haven't played enough Galaxy to judge that. Who knows? But but the reason being is that, you know, I do have to... I, I, I would rate this on the merits of also what does this collection bring to the table? You know, they're good versions of the games, but it's impossible to, for me to review it out in, in a bubble. I need to reference Mario All-Stars. I need to reference how they've been, you know, previously sold, as you mentioned, on the different platforms. Um, and at that point, it does factor in. So I'd probably give it an 8 out of 10, and I think that's been generous. Wow. So what would you give it then, if you're really... 8 out of know... 10, I said. Maybe you said it was generous. I said, I think I'm being generous. I reckon if someone gave Ooh, it a seven okay. or a six, I think that's justified. Oh, jeez, that's so brutal, man. Okay, but, uh, well, we definitely disagree on it. But, but you know, yeah, I also rate closer to a five scale probably than you. So. I don't think that's true. I think we're pretty similar in that way. Like, I think I... You got to remember, I try to avoid games I know I'm not going to like. Like, if I was just forced to review games in general... Because I do this, you know, I've got a lot of ratings up on IMDb. Like, I've got a lot of twos and threes and fours and stuff like that, you know. So, I don't think that's true, what you said okay. then. Like, I, I I, think I'm much closer to five on average than definitely games media. Like, they're ridiculous. It's like every game's seven or above. Yeah. Um, I just think that, like, ultimately, you got to judge it by the games as well. Like... I feel like people are reviewing the package more than the games. and I think it's justified to review the package. No, I, I, the, the, no, don't get me wrong. I said from the start, like, I wouldn't give this a 10. I think if it's, I think if this had a really good package around it, like, and I was, I was saying this before it came out, I'm hoping it has a good package around it. I hope it has, like, some background insights in the development of the game that we haven't seen before and, you know, some really cool stuff around speed running, like you've pointed out, right? If If it had that stuff, I'd be saying it's a 10 out of 10, right? But as it is, I don't feel like I can dock it more than a point, out of the 10-point scale, okay. just because the package is so weak. That's fair enough. Yeah, but we just disagree on it. So <laughs> yeah. I'm also looking, yeah, look, we've been talking for nearly three hours. I don't want to drag that on. <laughs> oh, I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to edit it down to a 60-minute podcast, so it's all good. <laughs> edit out all the times you called uh, Sega Sony. I've actually put a marker in to check if I actually did do that. And if I didn't, that that is going to be the title of, of the episode. <laughs> Um, but yeah, do you want to, do you want to get into our next segment, which is our, uh, retro replay? So I, we've kind of already announced this before, but 
you know, I, I, would you say that we've we've agreed that we're going to go through all the Donkey Kong Country games now? Yeah, I think we're we're pretty much committed at this point. Uh, I'd even love to hit the Returns games. Um, ah, dude, that's so cool that you said that. I was literally going to ask if you wanted to do that yeah, as well. I own them both. I just have to find where the mm. hell my Wii is to pull it out for a Donkey Kong Country Returns. But um, yeah, yeah, no, I'm in the same spot. I've got them all. So, so we're going to play through Donkey Kong Country too, which was uh, cool. Is Diddy Kong's Quest, which is I know one of your favorite games of all time i never owned it i actually remember borrowing it sorry so what, what what's the game called sorry i missed it donkey kong country 2 diddy's conquest <laughs> you did not say that why what <laughs> you said diddy kong's quest oh whatever same same crap um i know i call it <laughs> no it's diddy's conquest i call like it Kong- i call conquest. it donkey kong country 2 i refuse to use the subtitle <laughs> Anyway, um, so DKC2, we're going to replay. It's recently uh, been released on uh, Switch Online SNES uh, online service. I never know how to call that. Whatever, I hate it. Well, I don't know what it's called either. I think it's Nintendo Switch Online. I think that's kind of how you got to call it. And then it's through the SNES game. The SNES app. Or the SNES Online. Switch Switch SNES app. There you go. So it's recently been released. Um, I'm going to play it on that. I imagine you're going to play it on uh, your fancy setup. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, I, I, so just a background, like, this is a game that, like, I love to death. And you're very good at it. You're much better than me at this game. I'm not bad at it, but you're just better at it. But I love this game. I This is the game that I had on the SNES when I was growing up out of the Donkey Kong series. And, you know, out of the the trilogy on the SNES, the one that I'm most interested to play, and I'll, I'll give a proper playthrough, is Donkey Kong Country 3. So we will get to that. Like, I think we've landed on getting through the whole um, five games, essentially. Uh, if you do count the returns, as kind of like a continuation, which I think it is. Um, but this was the one that I loved so much. And when I, uh, when my wife bought me the analog DAC, so, you know, the FPGA clone of a SNES console that then plugs into my Trinitron CRT, it just, like, this is the first game I booted up. So it's so funny. This is before the announcement of this. Um, and it looks unreal. It looks so good. And just playing through it even a little bit, you know, and I'm not jumping ahead to like, we will go cover this in depth, but you know, you know how we were playing Donkey Kong Country and I'm like, yeah, it's good and everything, but man, playing Donkey Kong Country 2, it is Kong Quest. I was just like, this is just such a better game. And I, I know I'm jumping the gun here, but it, geez, man, it's, it really isn't just a, a like, you know, play by numbers sequel. Like they've just really tweaked so much of the game. And I'm, yeah, I, I'll actually go through and play this pretty in depth. Like if I get the time, um, but yeah, I'm really, really keen to play this. This is going to be really good fun. I did, and I did, uh, do we have a date? When we'll circle back in a later podcast. So I think we said we're going to uh, talk about this. Let me have a look at our lovely schedule. Yeah, I'm looking. Oh, okay, I got it. So it's the we've announced it today, and then it's the 17th of October. So episode 14. This is currently episode 11. Yeah. So giving ourselves honestly probably a little bit more time because we've all got like other things in our lives, <laughs> not just well, more me than you, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> but um, but I did say that. I'm going to try to 100% it. I think I'm going to scale back. 102%. 102%. I think I'm going to scale that back a bit because since then I've realized, I've remembered how hard that game is to get all the secrets. So yes. <laughs> I'm like... Uh, I was hoping that you commit on the podcast I, to this. No, I'm not going to commit. <laughs> That's if, why I didn't say anything. <laughs> if I if I do do it, if I do do it, um, then that's great. But I just remember there's certain levels that I remember in my burnt in my brain that I'm like, oh man. That stuff was rough. Like that game was hard in spots. Like especially that that like last world 
with like the rising acid levels and oh man that game's rough yeah and like so the sequel is definitely harder than the first game i'm not so Way sure about uh, dkc3 i think that's not too hard i think it, i don't think that's it's slightly easier than Donkey Kong country 2 but it still get yeah. has its fair share of tricky levels and bosses yeah, but we definitely 102%ed that game back in the day. I can't remember if I used your assistance or not, and probably did, being the scammer that I am. But um, yeah, that game was tricky, man. And compared to Donkey Kong Country 1, and then 3, I think they scaled it back, because yeah, the game was quite challenging, actually, even back for those days. Like, it's not a ridiculous, like, one of the, you know, Battletoad-style games. Um, But yeah, this game, I have a huge love for this game. You know, I I don't want to go down the path of collecting games on, on, like, I do have still have, like, some of my games from when I was a kid, but I do sometimes think about, like, getting a physical copy of this game, because it just brings back so many memories, uh, DKC2, so, yeah, like, yeah, I'm really looking forward to playing it, um, and yeah, we'll circle back in three weeks, so if you uh, want to play it as well, you should uh, play along and then see how you compare, compare to what we think of the game. Right. Well, I think uh, it was, was there something else you want to say? About no, so there's one thing I'm just going to say. So, considering you're playing it on on your setup, does that mean you're not going to do your save state dodginess that you I did? Can't. So, I, can't. I didn't know if the analog thing had like a save state thing in it. That's all. Yeah. So the analog. Uh, so there's a couple of things. So I have a vanilla setup. So I don't have anything like you can do that. You can make it so that it has save states or like things around it have save states, but I kind of like it having it like the way it was. So it's really like super authentic. Um, so yes, like to address your concerns and <laughs> of me quote unquote cheating, I won't be able to do that this time. So I have to play the game legit. Um, but I look, I know I, I actually should load up Donkey Kong country when I was playing Donkey Kong country two on the setup and you know, it's got basically no lag the way I've set it up it felt so much more responsive than playing it on the Switch. So, you know, maybe maybe it'd be a lot easier to play Donkey Kong Country on my setup as well, like a more authentic setup. But yeah, no, so I won't be able to play at save states. Sure. So you'd be happy about that. Cool. Well, look, I have no problem with that, but man, you abuse it. You didn't die once. Well, what's, if you get a cheat, you might as well really <laughs> cheat. <laughs> All right. I didn't die that many times anyway, so... Because that game's not that that super hard. It's just like a few of the bosses are a bit annoying at the start. So, okay. But yeah, all right. Um, well, that wraps us up for this week's episode. Uh, as always, if you want to reach out to us, best place to hit us up is on Twitter at BigWigPod, um, or hit us up in the YouTube comments of our clip show or our main podcast channel. Um, if you do want to help us out, make sure you give us a five star review on your podcast service of choice, because uh, that really does help get the word out. But with that, I'd like to say bye-bye. See you later.